Okay, yeah, I've been recording actually okay. already. Yeah, but it's probably mine's gonna be shit. Like I don't want to have to rely on mine. Fair. <laughs> I really, really don't want to have to rely on mine. That's okay. <laughs> but it's good to have a backup. It's always good to have a backup. Yeah, I just and my setup is needlessly complicated. Well, not needlessly, but more than necessary. Just because I uh, I have it intentionally set up so that I can so that I hear the Discord audio. And all the rest of my audio from my computer, but not my mic. And the recording only hears the Discord audio and my mic. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Because, like, yeah, yeah I can't... Because I want to yeah. listen to music and shit, but not have that in the recording. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Fair enough. Are but, our voices music enough to your ears? Oh, they're, they're beautiful. But um, uh, but I like to constantly be listening to something. Okay, fair enough. And... All right. Yeah. Do we guys, do we want to, sorry, we've been trying to. Get <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do we want to actually start the conversation? <laughs> yeah. Do we guys, okay, how, so I don't know if there's other people who's going to show up. I'm, uh, but. This might just be a smaller one. Yeah. Which is cool. Uh, anybody have any immediate things they want to say? Oh, it's humming. Hi. Okay. Hello. Hey. Oh. Anybody have anything they want to say or start off? Or Milcom, do you have things you want to say? And I'll read aloud what you type, so we can have it recorded for. We should really have like a. We should really have like a, a text to speech bot that like reads from the voice text. Oh, is that a thing? I'd I mean, probably. I, um, uh, if we can get that, that'd be awesome. I feel like that would be great. But I also yeah. don't mind uh, giving dramatic interpretations of what Milcom writes. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun. Is my fan loud? Is your what no. loud? Is my fan um, loud? I don't hear your fan. Okay, good. Likewise. Quiz. Um, so, guys. Uh, Psalm's discourse in Jen was fantastic. <laughs> oh, is it just that? <laughs> yeah, I know. All of my discourse was just me yelling at Kant at 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you 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 seem to have revised your thoughts? Yes, it was 4 a.m. <laughs> okay. Uh, care to? Okay, so fucking basically, uh, it after I actually kept going through it, it turns out he also recognizes the issue with the exact line of thoughts that he put, put forth here. This is something I see really often in philosophical writing, and it pisses me off. A philosopher says something and gives no indication that they disagree with it. Um, <laughs> and, and, then, yeah. and then I want to be so angry at them agreeing with it, because they're putting it forth like it's one of their arguments. And then they disagree with it later, and it's like, what the fuck? Why didn't you just say you disagreed with it right away? Why didn't you set out your goal right away? What are you doing? Yeah. Bruh, says Milcom. Yeah, that shit's <laughs> fucking awful. I, I, Honestly, just philosophers and not being properly clear with what they say just seems to be a massive issue. So as if philosophers don't like, have editors. <laughs> like, holy shit, can you just, like, read over this, like, once before you publish I it? Thinking, I was thinking about this, though, like, how how different publishing this kind of text is, would have been back then versus now. Like, hmm. I mean, this is not... 
it's just very different from the process now. Like you said, they probably didn't have editors. Like they maybe had yeah, someone read right. it, but they just literally just like wrote it and published it. I'm, I yeah, don't like, know. I'm not a fucking historian, but like they probably probably the major way that they determined whether or not it was good was just by trying to convince themselves that it was good. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... That's not untrue. Um, and if I... they were able to publish it in the past, they probably had, like, connections to be able to publish stuff in the future, and then things that they would publish after the first few writings that got them popular would probably have less oversight over them, which makes perfect sense, because this is one of, like, the latest that Kant wrote, like he was 60 when he wrote this, so it makes sense. It's already, like, unknown stuff. So. Yeah. Actually, I think, I think the place we should start is, is it, did it, was anybody really confused by any part? And I'm going to start right away, because I was really confused by a part. <laughs> uh, too, but uh, sorry, just, just to quickly cut in, um, there is somehow no Discord bot for that type of text-to-speech, to just, like, automatically do it for every message in a specific chat, um, but wow, I might okay. make one at some point. Okay, yeah, no, uh, awesome. making one wouldn't be that hard. Yeah, I think Google has, like, a TTS API that I could probably use, so... Oh, man, tying APIs together, good luck. Ah, I know, right? Um, but anyway, right. go, on with, so go on with that. You yeah. guys are nerds. Oh, I know, right? I understood yeah. nothing. I understood nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, I fucking... I'm going to be honest. Um... I don't know how I even did remotely well with understanding this. Um, I left myself so little time that um, <laughs> I got seven hours of sleep, listened to it at two times speed on YouTube, and Bill was fifteen minutes late. Uh, Somnia, I just want—I just want to be frank with everybody. Um, I did not finish the reading. I have read it before, and so I was like, "Oh, I'll just read it again. It won't take too long." And I still procrastinated, and so basically, I started reading it at like uh eleven forty-five this morning. So like not e- like like three hours ago, not even. Nice. I didn't get to finish it either, so. I guess we're all just terrible about actually reading things. <laughs> well, if you don't, if you guys remember, um, we did say section one and two up to section two was kind of long, so we'll just see how far everybody gets. Yeah. We did say that. Yeah. So yeah. I, I did the preface in chapter one, so but I did do good. it. All right, that's a, that's good. I think that's fine. I think I honestly think that's fine. Um, it's Let me so see the chapter three, and I don't want to talk about chapter three yet because I'm still so confused about it that I can't even like. A's points against it. So it's fine for me to, like, stick to one and two. Yeah, I think okay. that's what we'll do. Yeah. Well, I, I think, think I maybe going through both was a little ambitious for us, apparently. It was ambitious, but that's okay. Nothing wrong with being ambitious. We figure it yeah. out as we go. Learning. Uh, okay, okay, so I'm going to ask my question anyway, even though I guess not every single person will know exactly what I'm talking about, because it'll still be useful for them to ask this question. Um... What exactly does Kant mean by an end in itself? Like, what is his definition of that idea? I can't figure it out. Um, I mean, I think of it as, like, it's just literally, there's no extra anything uh, required, like, for that end to be an end. Does that make sense? No, um, I'm, I honestly am having trouble making sense of how an end could exist well, let's, without let me... a mean associated with it. Uh, let's see. Let's do an well, end You can have itself. a goal without knowing how you're going to get to it. I mean, uh, I don't yeah, think that he proves 
sorry. If, well. if you have a goal without knowing how you're going to get to it, then I mean, it's still you still have like a, a means and pair in the accomplishment of that goal. Oh, guys. But you but you can't necessarily you, you don't necessarily like you aren't necessarily able to accomplish a goal, right? Milcom said. Ends in itself are done for their own sake, not for the sake of any other end. Um, so I guess what he means in that case would be like more of a. So, like when he says an end in itself, it doesn't mean that there's no means and pair pertaining to that end. It just means that that end is also in not context also is not a mean. It, can, it cannot be seen oh. as a means. That's all. Right. Yeah. It's okay. just okay. a means. I'm sorry, just an end on its own. No, no means. That, that makes a lot of sense, and that clear. I'm going to have hmm. to reflect on that and, and understand the rest of the text from where he introduces that idea onwards. It is important, I think, to understand that. To understand yeah. this, probably. <laughs> I mean, he spends this whole like fucking while going on. And he uses the word "ends" like three times per sentence. Yeah. He uses it for different meanings because sometimes he uses it just to like bash on utilitarianism, and sometimes he uses it for his own concept, which is quite different. Oh, yeah, he bashes on utilitarianism a lot. Yeah, yeah. He does bring up some good arguments for it, but like there is a certain concern I have. But I will talk about that after some yet. All right, yeah. All right. Anybody else got any confusion pieces? Yeah. So, like for me personally, the thing is. Uh, as, like Kant doesn't specifically say that the reason why uh, laws are universalizable and important is because of the concept of having respect for them, and he does like, make like a pretty self-contained piece of argument for why like the concept of respect is different from other emotions. He also mm -hmm. acknowledges that respect in itself is also subjective. So, like, I'm not sure to what extent he has proven that respect is not part of being a human rational and as part of any rational being because he was trying to do that and I think he failed. I, well, I don't I know, maybe I'm missing something. I think he's really clear that he, I, I don't know, he's clear. He's clearer about this in the latter part so if you haven't gone all the way through then whatever. But like, <laughs> he, it, it seems like he's really clear that uh, his point in the first two sections is not to provide a proof. It's to... Yeah. It's to try to set the groundwork. It's <laughs> trying to set the groundwork for the third part. In, he himself has like admitted that it's possible to say that thing has been done for the sake of duty, not in accordance to duty. It has probably never happened empirically, but that doesn't matter. But in this case, why are we trying to have the conversation? And I guess that's what uh, that's what like the third ca uh, chapter goes into more than the first two. I don't know. So I just am wondering how you guys feel. I mean, because there's just so much here. Part of me thinks it might be helpful to sort of move through the text, like actually just like kind of go through the points he was trying to make as he makes them, and like see what we want to say about it. How do you yeah, get and like Sure. Yeah, that makes Kant's sense. argument moves really straightforwardly from like one thing to another to another in a lot of cases. So I feel like that would be a really practical approach. To that makes sense. Uh, he is um, pretty systematic about it, so that would be good. Yeah. Practical then. 
Um, uh, Milcom seconds it. Uh, so, okay. Or I guess it's now it's like fourth or fifth sit. I don't fucking know. Hmm. All right. Um, so I guess first, I don't know how to do this. I don't want to just read things aloud. Um, but because I had this little like um, little chart I made, a flow chart about like this, like the when he was setting up, um, you know, I guess categories of what is it? Categories of like cognition and laws and all this shit. Oh yeah. Um, and just Look. trying to draw it out a little bit. Um, I guess I could just take a picture and then upload it. It wouldn't be in the recording, but it would be. I'll just. It's super ugly. It's super ugly. Um, it's super ugly. You may not. I can't even read my own handwriting. Um, but I, uh, you know, whatever. It's it's that's what we got. Uh, maybe you guys can get some of it. Um, but like dividing things between the material first, like the material and uh, the formal. Yeah. Um, oh, God, it's so ugly. Whatever. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, and so, like, the material are objects and things in the physical world, whereas the formal are things of, like, reason. And I guess, like, I said, he didn't use this term, but I think of, like, ideas. Um, I mean, does, does those distinctions make sense to everybody? Yeah. Or I, I, I think that Kant also does a pretty good job establishing that one of the properties of the formal is that it it has the formal things don't really exist unconditionally. Does that make sense? Right? Hmm. Wait, when did you say that? Sorry. Alright, what are words I'm looking for? Um uh in, somewhere in the preface, he's talking about how formal ideas are... Formal ideas, because they don't contain reality within them, can take most any shapes, depending on what you assume. Does that make sense? My brain is... Okay. Let, 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 me, let, me go try to find the part. let me go try to find the part where he says it. Yeah. Okay, Milcom says, isn't the point of the formal to be unconditional concerning no particular object and thus be universal, though? That's well, generally what he says, anyway. Concerning oh, no yeah. particular object isn't exactly the same thing as being completely unconditional. Does that make sense? It's like, it's... At it is not unconditional, but it is unconditional pertaining to empiricism. Yes, yes. Empirical factors uh, don't come into it. That's well, what's I mean, so, that's important about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like a priori. Milcom says yeah to that. You're dead yeah. Even, even if it is conditioned on some supposition, that doesn't mean that, um, that that's not the important property. The important property is that it doesn't depend on any particularities of reality. Uh, and also, like, it is entirely possible for, like, one formal idea to be conditional upon another formal idea. This is how we logic metaphysics to an extent. Well, if we said that all ideas that are formal were unconditional, that wouldn't make sense, because that would mean that 
there's no oh, such thing as a unifying formal yeah. because in individual formal ideas wouldn't connect to each other, which see, would mean that philosophy mm. is impossible. Does he does he use the term unconditional ever? I don't see it. I don't know. Maybe if my translation is different, I don't see. Yeah, I think you're right. He doesn't say unconditional. He just says. Mm, I'm looking. I'm looking for the part where he says the thing which I interpreted. I mean, this is right at the beginning of the preface. Um, I can just I can just read it right here. All rational co condition is either material and concerned with some object, or formal and occupied only with the form of the understanding and of reason itself and with the universal rules of thinking in general without distinction of objects. Formal philosophy is called logic, whereas material philosophy, which has to do with determinate objects and the laws to which they are subject, is in turn divided into two. Um, I mean, that's really he, what he says about formal stuff. So, yeah. And then he says, oh, Milcom says, to say that formal knowledge is the a priori would seem to imply that material knowledge has no metaphysical or pure part, right? And I, I like, yeah, that's the thing I was confusing. It felt like it was just folding back in on itself. Because, um, like, in my in my little uh, flowchart or whatever you want to call it, uh, I mean, if you look down, like, so material gets divided into, like, things of nature or freedom or, or laws of nature or freedom. And then, like, under the categories, like, then he says, like, okay, so, like, when we study nature, it's a study of physics. Um, it's a study of what does happen. But then we can, like, analyze that either formally or materially. And so when we're looking at it formally, then it's metaphysics of nature. But, like, it does seem... In the metaphysics of physics is not like an alternative to a way to analyze the world. It's the thing that comes before studying the material part. It's more like every material part has a form, has a formal part. Because you can see ethics in itself as having a material part, and that's the entire point of the gun was to set up the prior metaphysical part of it. And you can do the same thing with natural laws. Physics. You can get the metaphysical part, and it's like, again, it's not you choose one or the other. You need, in Kant's opinion, you need the, the metaphysical part to be able to do something useful with the other part, the material part. Well, like, I wasn't, I'm sorry if I didn't fully understand what you just said, but, like, thinking of, like, what, like, the metaphysics of nature, like, what that looks like, is that, like, have to do with, and the metaphysics of nature is the things you can say about nature that derive from priori reason without needing perception. Would it be something like causation? Uh, like causation, exactly, yeah. Causation is, yeah. Example. Uh, or identity, or... Well, I feel like... Uh... The indiscernibles. That could be another example of things derived from pure reason. Because they hold for all possible worlds. It's not just... We have hours and we observe it and then we come to conclusions. We only conclude from pure thought. Uh, Milcom says the metaphysics of nature still concerns an object, the natural world. Um, yes, yeah, but so it doesn't the, describe it. It just uh, forms a groundwork onto which you describe so, it. So it's formal in the sense that it's a priori knowledge, supposedly, about the physical world. But I, I, the thing is, like, how... How is it causation isn't well okay well, I, well actually no 
you could argue that causation is a priori and that it is how we interpret the world. Like we inherently tend to assume, you know, like when two events always happen in succession, it's just an innate part of our mental structure to believe that there's causation involved. And so that, I guess, in a sense, that's a priori because like we don't, we just are wired to, to think that way. Is that... Then the struggle is to prove that that is the proper way to look at it, regardless of our wiring. Uh, yeah, Milton yeah. says, yeah, that's exactly what Kent, Kent held, synthetic a priori. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah, because that's why I was saying it, because I of my um, knowledge of how what Kant thinks. That's why I said that. Okay. Um, uh, so then... The other thing I thought was interesting, though, is like how like the whole idea of the laws of freedom as being part of the material world. I thought that was really interesting. Um, I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, it just see, I mean, like when you just first see that. Malcolm says what? <laughs> W-A-T. <laughs> Maybe he just he used a specific word in German that is not quite freedom, and that's how it got translated. I don't know because it doesn't make sense. Just uh, yeah, I think a lot. Well, I think maybe the way I see it is that it's like like the the fact that like our our will. Why? Well, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I yeah, I don't know why that's material. I I can't think of what I can't think of what. Um. Okay, okay. I think what he's doing here. I th I don't know why he uses the word freedom or anything like it, but I do think that what he's doing here is he's trying to const he's trying to construct ethics as the part as the part of the study of morals which comes out of the specifics of what is actually there rather than that which can be determined through well, uh, like, a metaphysical approach. I mean, the way I was thinking of it, like, if you think of it, like, if you take away from material, maybe empirical, I mean, the fact that we are seem to have freedom or seem to be beings in the world with free will or whatever like that is maybe an empirical fact and that's why it's in the material um oh wait, wait. could it be he says material philosophy is having to do with definite objects and the laws that govern them would human beings and human ah, society be that definite object that I, think, I think that makes sense to me um Basically, human beings are definite objects. The idea of a thing with rationality is not, or a thing with reason is not limited to human beings. However, if you are able to discern rules that govern all rational beings, then a, then a fortiori, they will also apply to humans in the end. Remind me what you mean, fortiori. As in even more so. Why don't you just say that? <laughs> It's four words. <laughs> but you learned that from the bat, and then you literally never stop saying it. I just—I uh, actually learned that in law school. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fortiori is a type of reading of civil law. 
Interpretation of civil law by judges, yeah. Okay. Um, oh, so maybe my translation is different because Malcolm just took a picture of the text. It says, and for the latter, they are laws of the human will so far as it is affected by nature. I'm so sorry, guys, because like, yeah, my I wasn't reading. I should have I should have checked. I was not reading off the one that I posted. I'm reading off of my trans translation, um, which is a different edition. It's supposed to be the standard, though. Apparently, I did read from your uh, from your uh, translation. So, like, mm -hmm. yeah, that makes way more fucking sense. Like, Wait, you were you were from my translation? I didn't post that part, though. No, no, I, I read like I read from like the translation you posted in the reading schedule. But that's. In, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That one has uh, freedom as the term used. I oh. see. Oh wait, that one does have freedom. Wait, what did Milcom post? Uh, that was where I quoted material philosophy. Is it was? It's like the next paragraph after that. Uh, no, uh, Nature laws of freedom, page one, even. Yeah, it's on page one. The. Oh, it does say freedom. Oh, so Milcom's translation is different. Yeah. Okay, I wonder if, um, nah. Well, it doesn't matter. Anyways, I think it's obviously a confusing term or confusing thing. So I, I like that the laws of the human will, though. I like that. Um, that makes sense to me. Okay, so then uh, Milcom says, a proper discussion of freedom from Kant's point of view can best be seen in his antimonies to the first critique and the second critique. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> you can't just drop that shit <laughs> without more explanation. <laughs> I mean, it, basically it means further reading. That's what it basically means, I'm guessing. It means read so more. I think like concept of <laughs> yeah. like um, critical pure reason. Just yeah, I just mean read more shit. Those to have like uh, annotations to them. Um. Okay, but then so moving on from the confusing thing about okay, laws of human will. So uh, so so. So the science of the laws of nature is physics, and then the science of the laws of the human will is ethics. Um, uh, and so that's, I guess what, that's what we're going to be talking about, folks. Um, well, technically we're talking about ethics, but meta-ethics, because we're talking about laws of will, not human will. And then we try to divide, to like devise uh, or derive human yeah. will from laws of will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Metaphysical right. ethics means meta-ethics, basically. Yeah, I see. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because then, yeah, we're saying. And for uh, the most part, what he's trying to show is that intentional and mandatory part of meta-ethics is beauty. And that's basically what he's trying to show. Milcom says, are you reading from my translation now, Freedom? Uh, no. I'm not. I just read from the picture you posted. I, I don't uh, have that translation available to me. Uh, okay, so... Oh, there's an wait. What is this? Not the same. This is the same. This one says. That's the one that I posted. This is exactly the same thing. 
This isn't the one you're afraid of reading from, Malcolm. <laughs> it's the same, yeah. Whatever. Uh, let's continue. Um, Alright. What's so, next? I, I don't even know. I don't know why. Okay. Uh, so I like his, I think it's interesting, his distinction of like, so when you're talking about, uh, I guess, the laws of freedom or the laws of the human will, um, he says like, sorry, I have too many things on my desk. Um, so, so, so the, the laws of physics and the laws of nature are the laws in accordance with everything that happens. Whereas the laws of freedom and the laws of the human will are laws in accordance with everything that ought to happen. Um, and I don't know if anybody had anything to say about that. I mean, like the fact that there might be laws about what ought to happen. Yeah. Okay. I mean, obviously he thinks that, but. I, I, cer I certainly don't like this. I certainly don't like this. Um, I think the very idea of a law of something that ought to be is something that you can't have an idea of what ought to be without it being preconditioned is what I'm trying to say. Like ultimately my fundamental disagreement, this is getting really deep really quickly, but ultimately my disagreement with the idea of a categorical imperative is that it's impossible because all statements of that kind are ultimately conditioned. Okay. Um, that's big, but like, I feel like ultimately in order to form a categorical imperative, right? In order to form some sort of idea which doesn't come with a condition like that, in, or, in order to move from logic to morals, you have to make a leap. In order to derive an is from, an ought from an is? Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah. This, this you, literally you just can't do that, really? Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I, I can't, I, I can't, I, I don't see how... Alright, really quick. Like, Milgram says, I don't think he has, says anything substantive here, it's just a passing comment, let's not be pedantic. But I don't uh, think, like, how can... I mean, well, no. So here's the, the thing. Even though we agree that you need a leap of logic to uh, go from an is to an odd, Kant is saying himself, which is why you can't use his, this argument against him, is that odds are not made from is, is, which is why you need metaphysics. This metaphysics of morals is what allow you to start from the odds, not to do this any leap thing, the is to the odd. He starts okay, with okay. the odd. I, I think that's what he's trying to do. I'm not saying he managed to do it. I'm just saying that he is not going into that trapping of. I definitely, I definitely do agree that it's possible. For instance, like you could imagine a metaphysics of morals trying to come up with some properties that any odd statement might have without making specific statements, right? Also, like an argument you can make that as long as things with reason exist, can have odds. And then, odds are conditioned on the existence of beings with reason, but they're not conditioned on anything else. In which case, they're not right. conditioned on empiricism outside of the existence of reason. Why, why so, is it necessary that something with reason also has some idea of morals? Really quick. It's, not, it's not necessary that a being with reason has morals, but morals don't make sense in a, in a world in which reason doesn't exist. 
Apparently, so Milcom Milcom says he tackles this objection. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll know how to say this word. I'll beat. How do you say that word? I'll bite. I'll beat. How do you say it? I don't even know. Bite. I'll bite. Okay, not. I thought it will be it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm looking it up. Uh, albeit not in a particularly convincing fashion in the third part. Okay, okay. I'm, I'll, I'll wait until I've read the third section to fully yeah. to fully right. expound on this. Like, I'm I, I so, won't assume it's bad. It's crazy. I've read this whole thing before and, like, worked through it, and then reading it again, I was like, did I just, I don't know, I just felt like I was reading it for the first time. <laughs> I mean, it did it in a sense, like, I think it probably was easier than when it was actually the first time, but, like, it didn't feel like reading something I knew already. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Also, it's albeit, three syllables, long Ah, O. Okay. Okay. Long E, I mean. Okay. Um, Long O. (laughs) So then... Um, trying to think of important things to highlight. Uh, So then... I mean, basically he's sort of... I'm just going based on what I have underlined, the the passages I have underlined as important things. So like the next thing, uh, maybe... Oh, shit. Uh, Milcom says, This is intended as being a shift from common sense moral philosophy to actually philosophizing about it. That's the title of the section, right? Yeah, uh, that's true. Wait, what? The title of the section for me is Preface. Yeah, we're looking at the preface. At the well, I guess we are still looking at the preface. Yes, we yes. haven't actually gone to one yet. Yeah. Um, but, um, so, I'm trying to think. What is that, then? I'll just read what sorry give me a moment (laughs) I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read this next passage that I think is valuable guys I don't know what the fuck I'm doing so like just understand that you have to understand that (laughs) okay um since my aim here is directed properly to... Oh, shit. I should probably find where this is in the text you guys have. Because I'm reading something different. This is not good that I'm doing this. Um, it is... So it's on the second page, uh, first column, last paragraph. Uh, since my purpose here is directed to moral philosophy, I narrow the question I'm asking down to this. Isn't it utterly necessary to construct a pure moral philosophy that is completely free from everything that may be only empirical and thus belong to anthropology? That there must be such a philosophy is self-evident from the common idea of duty and moral laws. Everyone must admit that if a law is to hold morally, i.e. as a basis for someone being obliged to do something, it must imply absolute necessity. That the command, you are not to lie, doesn't apply only to human beings, as though it had no force for other rational beings, and similarly with all other moral laws properly so-called, that the basis for obligation here mustn't be looked for in people's natures or as their circumstances, but must be found a priori solely in the concepts of pure reason, and that any precept resting on principles of mere experience may be called a practical rule, but never a moral law. Um, okay, okay. So, so doesn't he say... 
so is, is it my imagination or here does he say that there must be such a philosophy is self-evident because and then he defines it and doesn't give the reason he doesn't give the reason here he gives the reason later like he gives the reason why obligation is necessity when he describes his concept of respect but that's later on okay okay Um, I'm writing a little note about that, because if it doesn't get fulfilled, then I'm going to be angry. Yeah, but I think... Um, I, don't, I don't think he succeeded, but like that's what he... to do later. I just think like the idea that a law, if it is to hold morally, um, must carry with it absolute necessity. Um, I mean, I'm just curious, like, do you guys mm. agree with that? And the logic is that if it weren't to carry absolute necessity, it would be overtaken by uh, desire, preference, and fear, which is like a point he brings up later. Whereas if we acknowledge a, a law as absolutely necessary, and it doesn't matter that our disposition as not fully but partially rational beings is to overpower that law. So, so basically he's sort of making a practical argument, even though he's trying not to. And Milcom says, self-evident here, I think, means following from common sense. The proper investigation of it is indeed reserved for a later part. Okay. Okay, okay, that's good. Fucking self-evident is not a phrase I'm used to being used in that way. That seems like a translation thing. Also, we have to be used to the thing, speaking of translation, that he he doesn't use common sense per se. He uses, like, human reason. And that mm. gets translated to common sense. I think there's like a note somewhere that says that. Yeah, general human reason is the term he uses. All right, all right. Um, this is hard. This is really hard because this I, is feel, really hard. I, feel, I feel like the answer is going to continue to be here's an argument against the thing. And then it's like, oh, don't worry. That's addressed poorly in the third part. I, I mean, I think. We're just going to have to stumble through it our best we can. <laughs> I, you know. Um, I mean, uh, to me, it kind of makes uh, sense to withhold. So, okay, here's the thing. I actually do agree with the fundamental principle that it, it makes sense that a... It makes sense that... Fuck. Okay, let me go back to the exact wording. Um, you know what? Just carry on. I'll say things later. We don't have, have to. Care. We, can, we can. We can. We can wait for you to can, can uh gather your thoughts. It's okay. Um. Oh. <laughs> Bye. Oh. Oh no, back. He's, he's back. Okay. Um. Like a corrector. What did you say? Did I get cut out? I said something. For, oh, yeah, yeah, for a second, yeah. Did you, what did you say? I said, for me, it makes sense to withhold judgment until the oh, whole no, thing's been read that. and digested. Okay. We, oh, we heard the first part of that. But, yeah, I think it makes sense, too. Um, okay. And then, I guess, like, the idea that um, in the case of what is to be morally good, it is not enough that it conform with the moral law, but it also must be done for the sake of the law. Um, I mean, how do you guys feel about that? I mean, it's 
classic deontology, right? Like it's all about. Mm. Um, yeah, he's basically a, saying that when something is in accordance to law instead of because of it, then it's just pure coincidence. Or at the very least, part of it has to do with luck. <laughs> Malcolm says something, something, goodwill, something, something. Yeah, okay, that's actually a good thing to talk about. Um, and maybe it's this is character. in section. What is out of character? No, it's it's content of character. That's how he portrays oh. it in like section, uh, chapter one. Yeah. yeah. So maybe we could just start heading over there. Um, but because uh, I, I don't know. That, that just interested me. The idea of like a goodwill as being the base requirement for deserving good things. Um, oh my gosh. And Milcom says, this is actually encapsulated in the third section. The will is its own law, which sort of provides reason for that proposition. Um, but it's again, it's again. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I feel like I understand what he's saying and kind of intuitively agree with it, but in a sense, it feels kind of, uh, feels kind of spooky. Uh, <laughs> to say, like, to talk about the goodwill as something so concrete, um, like, to will something good, like, in general, like, it's not about willing specific actual things, it's just, like, in general, to will the good. Like, I, I don't know it, if that actually. Is- this specific, and not in the sense that it's practical or it like all the consequences, but it is specific in the sense that it's a part of reason to be specific about things. Because if you don't differentiate between things, you can't actually do metaphysics. So this is why he also does his like differentiation thing because between like different types of actions and whichever cannot be shown to indicate goodwill. Then in the second chapter, he does say that it's possible to say that we have never uh, encountered goodwill. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, that is the thing he says. He does, he does admit he does admit that um, it is totally possible that it's just not a thing. Like he also gives a lot of examples in the first section, and then uh, in the second chapter, he says that building philosophy. Um, examples or analogies is bad. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think specifically the reason he's doing that is because the first section is supposed to be devoted specifically to dispelling common sense ideas of morality. It's, it's dedicated to... It's dedicated, dedicated to what? Educated people. It actually says that. Oh, boy. Um... Is it just uh, me? Did someone start trying to talk? And then it cut out. And then Milcom uh, says, we're going in op- Milcom says, we're going in opposite directions in each section. Can, can you say exactly what you mean by that, Milcom? I don't get it exactly. Oh, I think I know where he's going with it, but I'll let him type it out. Okay, so from specific examples to general principles in the first, and I'm going to guess from, wait, but the second section, well, I'll let him finish typing. 
Didn't you guys ever do type to learn? You type so slow. Oh, and he says, as uh, from specific examples to general principles in the first, as being representative of a shift from common sense to philosophy proper. And so I found the thing. So uh, saying popular means pertaining to ordinary, not very educated people. So <laughs> th that's what he means by the word popular. So so in the first section, here is examples, I guess. Oh, by the way, did you guys catch in the second section him being super racist? What? <laughs> Actually, where section... was that? Okay, let me let me see. It's when he's um giving some. I'm sorry, this is so irrelevant and out of order. <laughs> uh, um, but let me find it in the one I uh, uploaded to you guys, so you can like see it yourself. Okay, uh... Control F N I G. Oh. No, no, no. He does say he does say niggardly. He does use that word. Um, <laughs> Actually, but, the control left didn't find it. Uh, let me see. Is it not? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so it's for you guys. It's on page twenty-five. <laughs> he sees that a system of nature conforming with this. Uh, he's talking about laziness. Um, oh, good. But now he asks whether his maxim of neglecting his gifts, agreeing as it does with his liking for idle amusement, also agrees with what is called duty. He sees that a system of nature conforming with this law could indeed exist, with everyone behaving like the islanders of the South Pacific, letting their talents rust and devoting their lives merely to idleness, indulgence, and baby-making, in short. To All sure. right, I forgot about Holy shit! You know what? I got the I got the point he was making in that section, but completely mi completely missed the <laughs> Yeah, well, because in my translation, it's a little different. It says like so, like the way. Um, oh shit! Where is it now? Because um, it says like, oh yeah, like it just it's just written more differently where like as with the south sea sea islanders is in parentheses in the middle of the sentence so it's just like much more obvious um, <laughs> um oh boy oh milcom says sure you think this is racist oh you should have seen what you should read his anthropology lectures oh my god yeah. <laughs> oh what's man. crazy about his anthropology, from what I heard, he never even, like, visited the people he talked about. He just sat in Germany and was oh, like, yeah, this is what they're like. Almost all yeah. anthropology. No empiricism, boys, no empiricism. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but that's super, sorry, that's a super duper tangent. Um, <laughs> like, to get uh, back to the primary uh, text, he can actually defeat himself with this argument because he does say that he thinks that one of the, like, moral duties is to be happy and laziness is part of that because if you always think then you will be incapable of thinking because you will overload yourself well so laziness is part of the moral duty to be happy <laughs> i mean i think that in this sense he's not saying you should never like you should always be productive, but it's just that you cannot will it to be a universal law for people to always be lazy. That's what sure. he's saying. Like, and yet again, he's not saying that because because he says right after that, um, but he can't possibly will that this should become a universal law of nature or that it should be implanted in us by natural instinct. Um, 
So it's like, even if like you can think like, oh, like you wouldn't actively want things to be that way, even if you can imagine them being that way. I mean, you could say that that applies to reason as well and to duty as well. Say what? You could say that that applies to duty as well. Uh, Welcome says, does Psalm have something to say about happiness as a maxim? Happiness as a maxim? Uh, I didn't really indicate that I had something to say, but I think you might be recalling that I am a really hardcore utilitarian. Mm. Um, fucking, yeah, I do, I have this note down here, actually, which says, uh, let me find it exactly. Um, so he gives this example, um, where he refers to, this is jumping only a little bit ahead, I think, uh, where he refers to lying to get out of embarrassment and how that's not universalizable, right? Um, he, he's like, okay, if everyone lied, if everyone lied when it suited their need, when it helped them not get, not be embarrassed by something, and, okay, I need to find words. If everyone did that in that situation, then, in the situation where it was the only out, then that wouldn't be universalizable. But the problem is that that's not the principle on which they're acting. Um, when This is the problem with most of his arguments, actually. Um, when he talks about whether or not something can be made into a universal law, so to speak, you can kind of cherry-pick which principles you act by um, in order to actually do an action, right? Like, he... Like, you could alternatively say that I could, I could say that I could will a, I could will it to be a universal maxim that I lie to get out of embarrassment when it, when that is, when that lie does more overall, has more overall utility than to not tell that lie, right? And that's I mean, super yeah, but the thing is when you say that you get into empiricism, Well, like, no, here's yeah. the thing. Maxims, Kant even admits that maxims can be grounded in the empirical when stated. And Milcom says what constitutes maxims is still a controversial topic among Kantians today, to be honest. So, yeah. Okay. Guys, you want to know something weird? I don't know how it happened, but for some reason in my control find search of the document, like now it says Italy when I never typed Italy. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I feel like there's a ghost <laughs> in my computer. Um, the woman from Italy. <laughs> um, I'm glad at least one person got that. I didn't get it. I have no idea. Oh, you did? No, I just laughed because I was like, oh, I don't know. I just laughed. Just Nobody laughed. here knows who the woman from Italy is. I know. You're Sorry. all you're all losers. Maybe. Did you say you usually, do or not? usually the loser is the minority. So if all, none of us know, no, bro. <laughs> okay. okay, okay. Anyway, any anyway. So, um, yeah, I I think that I think that in this cherry picking about what you consider part of the maxim when determining, like, like you can consider a certain action, right? But what you consider to be the principle of that action is completely a subjective matter, right? Does that make sense? Uh, yes. Like I can, you can see like how avoiding embarrass embarrassment might be 
um, yeah. the maxim that you're focusing yeah. on. Avoiding an embarrassment is just one possible but maxim. But the thing is, but the thing is, act on. Um, take that particular you action. Can, but you could focus on that. But what he's saying is like there can't be any exceptions to the lying thing. So even when you are embarrassed, like maybe embarrassment is another maxim, but like. I think elsewhere in his philosophy, he has, there are hierarchies of, um, duties, I guess. Yeah. I mean, um, he definitely, he definitely goes on to do a lot of construction later, which would, which would certainly call the particular argument that I'm making here into question. Guys, but uh, I also so, feel like the way he's presenting it here is kind of bullshit. So I might be utilitarian as well, but I think I can make like a devil's advocate uh, in, in like defense of Kant. So when you lie to avoid embarrassment, the end is avoid embarrassment, not to lie. The lie is the means. However, yeah. when you tell the truth, the end can be to tell the truth. Which is why uh, to, to tell the truth can be a maxim, but to lie cannot be. In that case, the maxim is to avoid embarrassment, not to lie. You can have like a universal law that everyone avoids embarrassment, but you can't have a universal law that everyone lies. Even though people might lie to avoid embarrassment, make sense? Kinda. I'll have to think about it more. I, I think we can kinda move on. Um, another thing I had, oh, sorry, someone go ahead. Was someone gonna say something? Nope. All right. No. Uh, <laughs> um, I thought I heard too, so. Yeah, I think it was Gal Gaelic. I don't know. I thought I saw a green light lit, like, really quick on the Discord thing, but maybe he chickened out. Um, maybe I'm crazy, too. It might not have been him. Uh, so, like, um... I mean, but basically, so we were talking about, like, what a goodwill is. So, like, a goodwill is not good because of what it affects or accomplishes, because of its fitness to attain some proposed end, but only because of its volition. That is, it is good in itself. And regarded for itself, it is to be valued incomparably higher than all that can merely be brought about by it in favor of some inclination. Uh, yeah. So basically that the goodwill is good in itself because it wills good things. I mean, we briefly touched on this and I think we moved on, but like, I guess I'm still not satisfied in thinking like. Uh, well, what he's basically saying is that if reason is the highest faculty, goodwill is the highest purpose because all the other inclinations don't require a rational being to be done. Like something without rationality can also, and on, without reason can also have inclinations. So to do things based on inclinations is inherently inferior to doing things because of pure reason even if the outcomes are better, because, again, it's not contingent upon the reason. In this case, it is actually, like, uh, conditional, but it is the sort of conditional that Kant likes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, no, it sounds sarcastic, but, like, that's what it sounds to me. But, I mean, but also, so then thinking, like, like he says, like later on, like usefulness or fruitlessness can neither add anything to this worth or take anything away from it. So, like the idea that just like a goodwill without any ability to do anything at all is seen as still good, um, which I don't, I don't quite disagree with. Um, and then Malcolm has said, 
I think this borrows from, I don't know what NE is. Am I stupid? Uh, I also I've never heard that word. Can somebody give me the TLDR? Of, of Nicomachean ethics? It's, yeah. it's like it's Aristotle. Oh, okay. Just virtue ethics. Um, got it, got it, got it. Um, I think this borrows from the Nicomachean, this is what Milcom said. Uh, I think this borrows from the Nicomachean ethics and that it deduces the absolute superiority of the goodwill from the fact that all good comes from it and is not good for the sake of anything else. That makes sense. Yeah. Isn't, I mean, Kant, I like, isn't Kant like flaming the ancient Greeks at some point early on in the work? <laughs> isn't, he, isn't he what? Flaming. Oh. Flaming. For thinking that, like for agreeing with virtue ethics. A second, I well, think he doesn't something. agree with virtue ethics. Yeah, of course. Mm. I mean, he does give a very intense critique of like it shouldn't matter what your inclinations are; it just matters what your will is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It seems it seems like if you if you assume. Sorry, if you figure that hey, all good uh, comes from goodwill, then this very much presupposes the idea of what good is. I mean, I think because yeah, I think that the, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I think. It's so I, I found about, the like, found the part. So it says, uh, so it's like on page five: moderation in emotions and passions, self-control and calm deliberation. Not only are good in many ways seem even to constitute part of the person's inner worth, and they were indeed unconditionally valued, unconditionally valued by the ancients. However, they are very far from being good without qualification. Without the principles of a good will, they can become extremely bad. Example, and then whatever. Basically, he's saying why stoicism uh, cannot be a maxim. That's, that's, that's how I read this. Because, because, yeah, because an evil person could use those virtues for evil, basically. Like, just having virtues, if you could use them to evil ends. It's not like, right? So because uh, you can use uh, virtues both for good and for evil ends, that means that uh, virtues that, that are in, inside the virtue ethics aren't ends. Yeah. Them okay, actually, mean, means actually I do like I, I do like this. I think what he's I think what he's trying to say, as far as I can interpret it, is um, that in order for in order for morality to even in order for morality to even matter, more or less, this is kind of an informal way to put it. But in order for morality to even matter, people, actors have to have goodwill. Otherwise, they won't act in accordance with it. Does that make sense? Say that one more time. I'm so sorry. And then I'm going to read Milcom's comment. But. Yeah. Um, in order for morality to even matter in any way, um, actors have to have, have goodwill. Otherwise, no moral actions are taken except when they align instrumentally. I think I kind of see, I mean, it has to do with the fact that we, like, there's a choice to pursue, like, there's like a, a volition or, or an intention to yeah. do one thing over another. Um, kind of but, so like, 
for morality to actually be under, for moral things to be undertaken, that's preconditioned on goodwill, which makes goodwill good in itself. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Milcom says uh, from the, I'm guessing, Stanford Encyclopedia, um, the basic idea, as Kant describes it in the groundwork, is that what makes a good person good is his possession of a will that is in a certain way determined by or makes its decisions on the basis of the moral law. The idea of a goodwill is supposed to be the idea of one who is committed only to make decisions that she holds to be morally worthy and who takes moral considerations in themselves to be conclusive reasons for guiding her behavior. Uh, action out of a sense to act morally, however bad that judgment, wait, action out of a sense to act morally, however bad that judgment might be, is a goodwill. Okay. Um, and then cryo type. Well, as utilitarians, me and Samian would naturally have an ever greater hate boner for virtue ethics than for deontology, so it only makes sense that we agree with Kant here. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, I have I have a huge hate boner for virtue ethics. <laughs> I like them. Do you, what? Do we have Get a virtue here. ethicist here? I mean, I don't know enough about ethics to say for sure, but I'm drawn to it. Virtue ethics is for people who don't want to make arguments and so make all of their shit wishy washy. Okay. I, I call myself an intuitive deontologist, and I'm very wishy-washy, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, nothing wrong with being a little wishy-washy. Everything is wishy-washy. Um, but that doesn't matter. Uh, so then, so, so this is something that bugged me, just me personally. <laughs> oh, wait, uh, Milcom says, Imagine not being a naturalist, shaking my head. All right, yeah. I know, right? Like, isn't everyone a naturalist? <laughs> can we can we define naturalist? Man, okay, that's hard um, because um, there are kind of two ways to go about that. Um, one makes a really arbitrary natural artificial distinction, and the other one just says that which is natural is good, and therefore everything's good. Uh, yeah, no, most people who would call themselves naturalists in the philosophical sense are not talking about the second form. Um, yeah, I think... So the I first form. Yeah. Someone want to define it, please? Oh, For me, it's more like naturalism is the idea that everything arises from natural causes or emerges from natural causes, and there's no other origin for stuff. Is that the, like... Is that a moral philosophy? Is it the rigorous philosophical? It, it's, 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 not, it's, it's not a moral philosophy. It's no, more like a. Hi, we didn't we didn't ask for your personal feeling of what it meant. <laughs> I no, was asking for like the the actual like someone who knows. I mean, the dictionary you know. definition is the philosophical belief that everything arises from natural properties and causes, and supernatural spiritual explanation. So basically. This definition, I would say that naturalism is something like non-dualism. Wait, did anybody disagree with that at any point? Did Kant or did we? Uh, I mean, he doesn't speak about that in this book. Well, what he talks about that bugged me was when he says, like, um, uh, so I'm gonna, sorry, I'm just going to read from my text rather than try to look it up, but it's not too far away. It's like near the beginning of section one. Actually, I'll find it. Probably. I've noticed the page counts are basically identical. Um, it's so annoying that this doesn't have, like, you know, like, I forget what they're called, but, like, the section numbers, like, like the 4 colon 395, 396 for each, like, paragraph or whatever. It doesn't have that in your version. I'm so stupid. 
Ugh. Anyways, um, let me find it uh, in your... Okay, so at page six, the first column, last paragraph, but I'm going to be reading mine, not yours, sorry. Um, in the natural constitution of an organized being that is when constituted purposefully for life, we assume as a principle that there will be found in it no instrument for some end other than that what is also most appropriate to that end and best adapted to it. Oh, yeah, I have a note about this. this that is such fucking bullshit. That's <laughs> um, cringe. That's cringe. But, like, thing is, we only understood evolution actually works in the last 40 it years. It's like, it, it's like, yeah, and it's, like, more pertaining to the genes than the individuals. That's why we have this notion of the selfish gene, not the selfish individual. So it makes sense that Kant had that misconception. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it does, but it's just, it, it, because he's suggesting that reason must exist for a purpose and that, um, it, 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 since reason obviously isn't, okay, wait, wait, here, let me write it out. Okay, here's what really bothers me about this. This isn't just wrong, he also takes it as an axiom, which I assume means it's really important. Well, I mean, it's, it's, in my translation, it doesn't say we take it as an axiom. He doesn't say axiom. Okay. He said we, what, he says we assume as a principle. That's what he says. Okay, um, okay. That's a little yeah. bit less bad. Yeah, but, like, the thing is, like, he, so he takes this, and so, um, you know, assuming that the traits uh, that are appropriate are best adapted for each organism... And then, so, like, since reason, he claims, reason is bad for preservation, and that instinct is better. That's also fucking bullshit. Like, he claims, like, instinct is superior for survival, and it's, like, instinct is only superior for survival, like, for a deer in the fucking wild, but for, like, a human being in a human world with really complex society, like, instinct is shit. Like, instinct is the reason, like, people have anxiety attacks, like, because, like, they forgot to turn in their homework. Like... <laughs> yeah, instinct is not is not helpful for survival outside of this of the scenarios in which that instinct evolved, which we are not in. Yeah, should, uh, uh, Malcolm's should... being an asshole. Malcolm says that's not really important to his point. Yeah, this is just beautiful. I'm loving it. Um. Just getting a slow start, but it's picking up. Welcome says that's not oh. important to his point. Yeah. <laughs> said, and it's so annoying. And then Milk's like, I think <laughs> it's just more... the way you said it's pretty great. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Uh, I think he's. It's because Milkum didn't get his fucking mic to work, and so Milkum has to rely on my interpretation. Uh, I said, I said <laughs> it was going to be a dramatic reading of Milkum's comment. Fair enough. Uh, he says, I think he's more referring to the philosopher who meditates so much that he forgets happiness altogether. Or something like that. Wait, what? I actually don't get what you mean by that either. I, I, I was waiting for I was waiting for freedom to interpret it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but freedom cannot interpret it. Uh, no. I just realized I'm freedom, and and I am one of the the laws of freedom, even though. Malcolm says, well, I am one of the major... Never mind, I don't know. Can we just delete that? 
<laughs> oh no, he's leaving. Oh, bye, Milkum. Oh, just kidding. Uh, did you did you piss Milkum off too much? No, I know he had to go because like uh, I remember him saying he was like only available from like Eastern Standard Time, one to three p.m. Hmm. Um, so that's why we moved it up. Um, but. Oh well, now that he's gone. Oh my god, Milkum fucking sucks. Milkum is so annoying. What a bitch! Oh my like, god, dude. Yeah, I got his name autocorrected to milk. Huh? Got his name autocorrected to milk. No problem. No, no harm, no harm. Okay. Um. Okay. Oh gosh, it's so ugly. Sorry, I turned on my light on my desk and it's just horrible. I hate it. It's so yellow. <laughs> Okay, um, so then... Hey, do, does Milcom speak English natively? Uh, are they aware that there's cum in that name? I assumed it was real because sometimes he, his his uh, status is jacking off, so... <laughs> yeah, I assumed it was intentional. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's intentional. Just making sure. Just making sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, anything can go through a mail if you're brave enough. Um, <laughs> all right, let us continue. So later on, he's saying basically um, that like the purpose of our life isn't happiness. Like he gives this critique of hedonism. Um, oh, fucking course he does. Yeah. Um, and and so he, he says like um, that we see like real people like they tend to uh, we, we see that we must admit instead that these judgments have as their covert basis the idea of another and far worthier purpose of one's existence to which therefore and not to happiness reason is properly destined. Um, and to which, as supreme condition, the private purpose of the human being must, for the most part, defer. So, like, there's this ultimate purpose outside of happiness, outside of everything, and it's, like, solely about reason, like, striving right, to where? choose to do something over another thing. Sorry, it's a little farther down. It's, so it's, uh... Okay, so, uh... Something... Top, very first, like, section at the top. Sorry, but, what can go ahead? Seven. Okay. Cryo, go ahead. Okay, so uh, I, I'm going to like backtrack a bit here, but as it's starting on page six, which I find important, which is what we find in fact is that the more a cultivated reason devotes itself to the game of life. Six. Page six, yes, uh, the, the second column, the second paragraph. What we find, in fact, is that the more a cultivated reason devotes itself to the enjoyment of life and happiness, more the person falls short of true contentment. So, what this implies is that the way he defines happiness does not include contentment. It would go against hedonistic definition of happiness, but it wouldn't go against the utilitarian definition of happiness. I don't know, because, I mean, I'm not going... Um... Maybe I'm combining things from other sections, but he was saying how, like, when you try to find happiness with your reason, you have to think, okay, like, what's going to make me happy? Like, oh, I could be rich, but, like, it's all, I think he uses, like, he says it's all contingent on, extra, like, externalities, like, of what can make you happy. Um, 
and it's not like like it's not like the thing in itself provides contentment. It's like you have to seek out things that you think might make you happy, but they also might not make you happy. They might you know you don't know that it'll actually like bring you that happiness. Yeah, to me it seems like what he's saying is that when you are searching to be happy because you have respect for the law that the maxim of have to be happy is good, that's where the contentment lies. Not in happiness as like a byproduct of something. Like when you seek happiness because you respect the universalized law that says you ought to be happy, in that case it's not a byproduct, but otherwise it is. Even if you get happiness from being rich, for example, you're in accordance to the maxim, but you're not doing it because of the maxim. Yes. Like, this is a common theme in his, Yes, exactly. Like, uh, Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, this is a common theme uh, across this work that he always makes the stark contrast and difference between in accordance to and because of, or in accordance to and from. Mm. He would say that anything that, like, gives happiness as a byproduct is an example of a case where you're acting in accordance to that that is an inferior type of like morality mm-hmm. interesting um okay so then if we continue moving down like later on is where he brings up the concept of duty oh. um so we start getting into the key terms here, folks. If we oh shit, I said I was gonna have a quiz, but I wasn't even ready. So you would you I could have actually, a quiz, but you would fail the quiz. I would fail oh. the quiz. I would definitely no. fail the quiz. And everyone would fail the quiz because he would be correcting it and not knowing the answers. <laughs> so he he does certainly he does certainly define duty, right? Yes. Like he uh he talks about duty as so something is done from duty if it is not done from somebody's particular ends, more or less. Like, I don't think that's exactly how he defines it, but that's the impression I got from what he was saying. Uh, okay, see. so uh, he actually gives an exact definition. Uh, so go to page 10. Oh boy. That's like okay. three pages after he introduces it. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Like, on page 10 he defines it, so he says this Have a duty means to be required to act in a certain way out of respect for law Okay, okay, got it, got it, got it He yep. actually defines it specifically Okay, okay That is... That lines up with my intuition about that, yeah Do any of you guys have any uh, duties that you feel are duties? Like, I feel like I get the utilitarian, like, Hmm. isn't it in a sense, like, I guess I don't know the terminology very well, but like, it's like a duty to maximize the wealth. I mean, I don't know. I guess, I guess if you turn, like, if you phrase, like, change duties to like, like, consider that to be like, what is morally good to do? 
Uh, although depending on on depending on your version of of um, of uh, I've suddenly forgotten the word for my own philosophy. Um, can you help me quickly? Um, the thing you were just asking about utilitarianism. Thank you. Wow, <laughs> I need to sleep better or something. Holy shit. Um, anyway, yeah. Depending on your version of utilitarianism, um, it might not be a duty as opposed to just simply a moral good. Like it could be. Um, morally good to do something uh, to to uh, maximize uh, happiness or utility, however you define it, um, but uh, morally neutral not to. Um, so it really depends, I guess. Yeah, it's like... Uh, I also think that um, the way he defines this specifically, to have a duty is to be required to act in a certain way out of respect for the law. Um, it seems like, it seems like it's not a translation thing that, like, he defines law in a very clear way, and I, I, it seems like, from a utilitarian perspective, you definitely might not consider adhering to utilitarian ethics as a law in the same way that Kant considers the categorical imperative to and Really quick, sorry, uh, Milcom just wrote something. I'm going to read it. Uh, just to clarify my earlier point, while it is true that modern human society values reasoning skill a lot, and of course that it helped our ancestors to survive as well as they did, even today the philosopher is seen as being so engrossed in his inquiry that he does not have a satisfying experience of life, for everything in his life is analyzed to death. Additionally, the common conception of the philosopher is as a man with his head in the clouds, unconcerned and in fact ill-equipped for life on the ground. And then cryoliberal seems, this seems to paint a very good picture between the distinction between intelligence slash enlightened, common sense and philosophy. I like it. And I just want to say, Milcom, you're very sexist for saying that philosopher has to be a man with his head in the clouds. Uh, it could be a woman with yeah, her head in it the clouds. Yeah, it could be a non-binary person. It could, there, there exactly. Is no, there is no so, reason for it to necessarily oh, be shit, a man with his head in the clouds. Oh, shit, Milcom's not even on. Milcom can't even hear. Oh, damn it. Oh, he shit, you're right. <laughs> it doesn't even... <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. man. At some point in there, somebody used an example that was like, oh, she was like this. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Just don't be a grammatical bitch and use singular they. Well, yeah. it's just from the... That's like singular the they is, a like, well, is and has no, no. always been a valid thing. Well, like, guys, fucking... well, guys that's, this, that's just the standard in like philosophy these days. It's like they're using she more... That's just a thing that they're doing. It's it's, hey, it's standard it's practice. But, but why? They is fine. No, they is fine. I'm just saying, like, that's just hmm. why they're just doing that. Anyways, I actually was they thinking. Can. Yeah, I know. I was just thinking, um, maybe this. So this this is really difficult. Like, I think also I am less prepared than I wanted to be, and I am sorry hmm. for that. Um, but. This is, was, like, very ambitious, and it's good that we did it. But I thought maybe we can step back from the text for a second and have everybody kind of go over their idea of morality and then go from there, like everybody going down the line. Uh, oh, that boy. sounds good. I mean, I feel I like that would be I think that would, yeah, I feel like we gave you that. Yeah, let's do that. Um, alphabetical order. Cryo, you're up. Alphabetical order? What the fuck? Okay. First of all, I will have to separate... Uh, Metaethics from my ethics. And You're then, such a copycat. You're copying that from me. Then I would have to like re-include my metaethics into my ethics, and I'll explain why uh, when the point comes. 
my metaethics is that I am like a moral anti-realist and specifically a descriptive egoist. The sense that I always think that humans, as the only beings with rationality that we have discovered so far, always seek to maximize their own utility. Uh, regardless of what that is, because it can differ from person to person. And Wait, that's maximize, why I'm... maximize your own utility? What? Maximize your own utility. As in, even uh, when you're acting altruistically instead of uh, instead of egoistically, you're still maximizing your utility because. What do you mean by utility? Because I think of like usefulness. Uh, so a utility is the thing is whatever you value, generally speaking. Okay. Oh. oh, oh okay. So the way yeah. I would uh, specifically define anyway. it is uh, whatever you want to do to squeeze reality into the possible worlds that are most advantageous to your goals. Those are well, necessarily like goals. Yeah. I think I think from the perspective of um, descriptive egoism, wh which is a great term, by the way. Like I got, I, you said that, and I just instantly got what it was because it's something I've encountered before too. Hmm. Um, fucking, I think from the perspective of descriptive egoism, um, I think there are a lot of cases where people don't do a very effective job at. Uh, at maximizing utility for themselves, and they don't even they, they, like they actively run into situations where they're doing a poor job at that. And they don't change their behavior. So I think that I think it would probably be a little bit like, like do you get what I'm saying. Do you get what I'm saying? I think it would be more useful to say that when people think about it really hard, um, by default their egoists in that way but like I mean even when people awesome. think about it really hard they might fail because like yeah. Hunt did this as well when he said that like when it's a f there's a fire and you try to get out of the building uh, like the, the duty part only comes in because other people happen to get out of the building but not because you happen to get out of the building like if you think about it even harder than Kant in that example the fact that which you generally isn't very difficult so yeah <laughs> the fact that you open the door to get out allows you to get out of doors in the future. So it's like predictive of future behavior. And uh, like uh, to finish up my wrap on uh, uh, ethics, that's my methodical thinking. And then for my uh, ethical thinking, I would say that I will follow something that I personally call um, FPU, as in Finite Principle Utilitarianism. The, the reason why I use this term is because I actually do use principles. I don't hate the idea of like imperatives. Just like a more oh, okay. imperialism. The way I think about it is like this. So if you only think about the consequences of an action and you don't consider why the actor did it, that is stupid because all actions are done by actors when you like analyze the reasons or the principles that stand uh, at the grounds for why an actor did an action you are able to like uh, uh, deduce his future behavior like predict his future behavior from that the way I usually do ethical calculations and the way I usually do things like uh, harm reduction ethical questions is I assign a fat and always finite moral worth to principles and then I add that into the consequences. So, for example, for me, uh, murder is inherently wrong. There is such a thing as sufficiently good consequences for the finite 
amount of utility inside the principle to be overcome. And I don't just apply this for murder. I apply this to a lot of principles. Like I apply it to honesty as well. I apply it to like lying as well, theft as well. Like you can apply it to all of them. And there are principles with like negative value and principles with positive value. But here's the thing, and here's where the metaethics kicks in. I think that this those like flat values are supposed to be flat and finite for every single person. But I don't expect every single person to have the same like numbers for all of them. And that's where the anti-realism kicks in. So I am able to say that a certain thing from like uh, the principles and intent of the actors and from the consequences seems like to fall automatically as moral or immoral to me, but I think like it's perfectly compatible in my system with someone else in the calculation in the same way, but not with the same flat modifiers to come to a different conclusion. Very well thought out. <laughs> that generally seems to Oh, boy. Uh, there are actually some really good ideas in there. I'm definitely going to definitely going to steal some of that. All right. So I guess it's me. Um, as I said before, and I, I just, I feel so silly. Uh, I just came up with this name. It's not a very good name of my intuitive deontology. Um... So, as you might guess, I think that, you know, there are just things that are right in and of themselves. It's right, like certain things, like, and I'm talking about me personally, but I think this is just how it, I think this is, I see this is how it works, um, where I feel there are actions that are good in and of themselves. Like, it's just right to do certain things. However, I don't think it's, like, something like Kant said that can just be, like, rationally deduced, or it, I don't think it's clear at all. And, in fact, um, the reason I say intuitive is because it's it doesn't come from... It, it just usually it'll come situationally. I'll just have, like, a very strong feeling about what the right thing to do is. Um, and it doesn't feel right because it will bring about some positive result just because I feel extremely strongly like that thing is right in and of itself. And I see that I can sort of pick apart and look at the isolated incidences of like these moments and these moral feelings that I've had and maybe describe, you know, general principles that, um, might explain those moral feelings. For instance, like if I see somebody, you know, um, on the street, like um, fall. That's a horrible example. Um, and I, I, well, I mean, I think because I've had some, I've had some evolutions in my thought processes about things, um, but. Uh, like one time my friend, uh, had some dude who was really weird, but like he was very clearly in emotional distress. And I felt like at first I was like, who gives a fuck? Like kick this guy out. Like who cares? But I then had this like feeling of like, oh wait, I should help him. Like I've felt really bad before and he's clearly feeling really bad right now. Even if I can't help, I have to try and help. Hmm. And it felt like I would not be me 
if I didn't do that. Like I would be, I would be denying some core part of my identity um, if I did that. And so I think of morality as a form of identity. Um, it's like a part. It's a, it's a. It, it, we see it as this part of ourselves that if we violate that morality, um, we are it's a sort of like death of the self. And that's why you can think of like the phrase like, oh, I'd rather die than kill my kid. You know, um, what does that mean? Like we see violating that code of conduct as a sort of death of ourselves. Um, and that's definitely like a reasonable way to put it. Basically what you're doing to tie it back to Kant is that you're sort of like doing the ontology from an egoist mindset and he's doing it or at least trying and failing to do it outside of an egoist mindset. Yeah. But like, the possible uh, like argument that could be made against that is that by taking it as an axiom that the death of the self is a bad enough thing to not be worth it to undertake it in order for some goal, you know? In some situations, you could say that uh, doing something so heinous that it would destroy your identity is still nevertheless worth it because it would do more good than the fact that you well, your identity. But so, I'm not yeah. trying to do more good. I'm trying to do what I think is. I mean, like, like, because, like, uh, there. I mean, that nothing. The uh, the violating my moral principles would be doing something really like that I think would be really really bad like it wouldn't be possible sorry so, so it, yeah I do think I have a little bit more of a concise critique here um concise I just want to say I'm sorry I explained it very very badly and it's horrible mm -hmm. so um, sorry so it does seem to me like this more the way you construct your morality is like like it necessarily leans most on emotion right yeah um and I think self-admittedly but yeah. the problem then is that the same the same action could have different moral characteristics depending only upon what you consider emotionally about that situation, not depending on the actual content of the situation. For instance, if you spent a lot of time if you happened to spend a lot of time thinking about how another person might feel in regards to an action that you take, then you might conclude that it is a bad action for you to take. But if you spend a lot of time thinking about how you would feel, then you might conclude that it's a good action to take. Do you get what I'm saying? Um, the answer is no, but uh, my brain isn't processing it very well. Um, you could try to say that one more time if I don't get it. I'm yeah, okay. So, so what I'm saying is that because this fundamentally relies on emotions which are specific, not it relies on emotions which aren't just specific to a given situation, they're also reliant on what you consider about that situation, right? Wait, what's the difference between a situation and what I consider about it? All I know about a situation is what I consider about that situation. Well, no, because emotions are... Emotional consideration is vulnerable not just to the situation itself, but also to how you consider it. But I always, the, the situation itself, I only see it through how I consider it. 
what I'm trying to say is that um, given the same situation, you can, given the, given the exact same situation, you can come to two completely different moral conclusions, which you would say are, from your perspective, would both be valid, which isn't necessarily well, a contradiction, but seems really wonky. It is. So here's the thing. I mean, I think I, I don't think you're wrong, and it is. It is a little sketch. I mean, you could you could say that it seems like like I could just complete. I could have like if I could I, if just on if I was in a different mood or whatever, I could encounter an identical situation and have a completely different uh, moral feeling about it or moral response to it. That's possible. I don't think I haven't. It just, it doesn't seem to me, and it, 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 this is so vague and self-reported and not empirical or not concrete, really, um, but it doesn't seem to me that uh, what I feel strongly about morally changes dramatically. Um, and it seems, I think that the thing that's most important is that I think that there, it is worth just striving to do what you think is right, uh, no matter what. And that's like the core thing. It's just the issue is I don't know concretely what is right. I don't think anybody can like come up with a clear definition for what is right. All we have is what we feel is right. Um, and yeah, that's vague and complicated, but it does seem to me like if you observe people and their moral feelings, you could sort of collect data and establish, okay, these are the things people tend to strongly feel about. There's probably gonna be a strong pattern and yet again, it would be a descriptive set of, like, things that people care about. Um, like, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of, like, there's, like, apparently, like, five different values that all people kind of have. Or it's, like, respect for authority, purity, um, fairness, stuff like that. Have you, has anybody heard of that? Yeah, I've heard I have not heard of that. Um, but, like, it sounds sound like one of those psychology that isn't actually a real thing that somebody just made up. I just made this shit up. Oh wait, 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 wait! What what sounds like it's made up? Sorry. The 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 five values thing. I think oh. it was like just like an anthropological account of like seeing what cultures tend to look. Yeah, at, yeah, I yeah, think. exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Actually, that's yeah. fair enough. That's, as a descriptive thing. Okay, I'm down. Yeah. Um, I wish. So okay, so. Oh uh, wait, what? I'm trying to find what they are. Like, what? Because I know it was like. There, I listed them because it's bothering me. Like I don't know. Someone else has heard of it. Do they know? I don't know what it's called. Uh, whatever. It, uh, it doesn't matter. Anyways, um, and I think what part of what my. I mean, the main thing is, like, I don't think the consequences matter. I think it's about the intent. I do agree with that. It's about the intent to do good, to do what is right. And the other thing is my acknowledgement that I don't think there is any concrete, like, truly right thing. Like, that I can see how other people might come to different conclusions than me about it or might feel differently than me. But my gut instinct suggests that most people do tend to agree just because we're all human beings. We're all like, most of us are pro-social. Like there are core aspects like of things that we feel to be right. Um, and it's not that, yet again, it's not that those are right in and of themselves, but it's like, we, 
you will be happier in a sense if or more content if you follow through on those things that you believe to be right i don't know it's very big it's not it's not very systematic it's i'm definitely i'm I'm definitely having interesting time developing a way to because like you're the way you're putting this is definitely causing me to feel like i need to justify an axiomatic system of morality so Mm. i'm having an interesting time figuring out how to do that we'll get to me eventually oh good can't wait Eventually. Don't oh, fucking uh, uh, Before we go to Gal, is it fine if I make like one more final statement on this? I'm here. Yeah, go for it. Oh, you just the time we're talking about uh, our personal moralities. Sub disposable. Hello. The first three letters of our name are identical. <laughs> um, are they? It up oh yeah. Okay, so the one final thing I would have to say, and then we can get to the next person, is that it feels to me that when you juxtapose what we ought to do onto what we feel is right, that we are like uh, arbitrarily restricting ourselves to the things we have to consider. Like, you can make a very solid and even rigorous argument for why we feel is right is something among the things that we have to consider. Just saying that is the only thing we should consider just feels like arbitrarily restricted. Like it might even be the correct thing that you should restrict yourself to, but like just saying it and not why feels like it's incomplete. Even though like okay, it feels like it's potentially incomplete, but it doesn't prove that it's incomplete. If that makes any sense or complete. Was that? I, I sort of missed that because I was looking up the values thing. What <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you? I, oh, I don't. I don't know if I can summarize it shorter. I would probably Just say be saying it the again. same thing again. Just okay. Say it again. Okay. So I think that when you state that what you ought to do is only what you feel is right, you are arbitrarily restricting uh, the horizon of what can be considered for morality. And while you can make a very solid argument that what you feel is right is something that you must consider when you consider what you ought to do. Is incomplete and arbitrary to say that is the only thing. Okay. And so like, just... it, so like, it's not necessarily. I'm not necessarily saying that there are other things for sure. I'm just saying that that feels like something that is not like trivial and should be like demonstrated or at least like defended in some way. Yeah, oh, I, hey. I guess. Sorry, just for the record, um, I haven't tested it much yet, but um, I think I got the bot finished that would actually just. Display text. If you were making a bot during this discussion, that means you weren't really paying attention. No, I was paying lots of attention. And also coding. Uh, uh, You know, (laughs) if I was a teacher and you were my student, I would send you to the hall for not paying attention in class. I would find that incredibly rude and and say that it probably violates no. your morality system. Actually, actually, no, honestly, honestly, if I was if because I, was I would say that it violates your morality system because it doesn't intuitively feel right to me. Well, no, you, it would say you'd value it might have violated your morality system. But I, I just wanted to say I think the emphasis is not on like it, the emphasis for me with morality is that morality is an activity in self reflection. Um, and it's not, um, like, it's I don't like think rules. Yeah, and they, I don't they, think there... It's not a decision-making process. Yeah, I don't think that there is a objective morality. I don't think it exists at all. 
Um, it's just a characteristic of people that we feel like there are some things that are really, really important for us to do. And that's why I think kind of like think about what morality really is. Um, and I think personally that it's valuable to go through that exercise of, you know, considering, you know, what is maybe the most important thing of all. And that's what, you know, morality is. It's the thing that's like most important of all to us. Um, yeah, I, but, I agree pretty much entirely. Um, but I also, I did find that it's like moral foundations, I think it is. Um, and it's actually, there's six of them. And the reason I think it got big is because it sort of like explains some differences between, um, you know, liberals and conservatives, you know, no 2D axis cringe, right? But, uh, <laughs> uh, axes are only 1D, excuse me. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're, no, you're totally right. You're totally right. Sorry. Um, whatever. I would send you out in the hall for that. That's fine. That's fine. I don't want to. I, I would just, I would, I don't care. You send me out in the hall, then I'd just go home or go get ice cream yeah. or something. <laughs> um, Imagine leaving school to just get ice cream. I mean, you know, come back. Why not? Why not? True. Oh, it's so sad though because they started they locked down my high school. Like it used to be, like really, you could just like go outside and hang out. And like we didn't really leave campus, like or anything. But then now, like you can't even just go outside at study hall. Apparently, like that's what I've heard from people now. They just totally locked it down because of like You're safety. In high school? No, 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 no. Thanks. I graduated high school in 2012. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. Yeah. No, 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 no. No. Uh, but um, anyways, so the six values are uh, care and harm is like the first, or I guess it's like saying like the, them in pairs. So like care and harm. The second is fairness and cheating. Third is loyalty and betrayal. Fourth is authority and subversion. And the fifth is sag- sanctity slash degradation. Oh, oh, and this is, and, and then the sixth is liberty oppression. Um, and so Wait, like for, but, but the only one, the only one, okay. The only one of those axes that had two things that there are people who consider good is like authority and subversion and that's like it right yeah, that might be a biased wording of it i mean i i disagree with this entire premise of trying to quantify and graph morals in this way because there's so many other avenues somebody could go to have moral opinions than this just is, these questions this like, is a description of what tends to be like core values across like all of humanity like this is it's not like okay. a prescription for how it actually is it's just saying this it's a, it's, oh, it's just a tendency these these yeah. are tend to be the popular everybody seems to value these but like in different amounts and like there is a correlation or apparently a correlation with political beliefs for instance you know an authoritarian would tend to value authority more um you know environmentalists would uh well, I mean, like, but, 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 so, but, can you throw a link to this in chat, please? It, this is like the sketchiest. It's <laughs> not look like a very like reliable source. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> but 
I'll just put it in because it is the best ones I've seen. Like, I'm so sorry. This is not like. Um... Oh boy! Oh, Look oh, at yeah, all no. of that. Oh, you know why though? It's because for some reason Wikipedia isn't loading when I clicked on it. Ah. It's moral foundation theory. That's why. Okay. So are these all spectra upon which certain I think individuals so. and certain cultures? Uh, fucking cumulatively fallen. Oh, wait, no, that one's, like, a little bit weird. So, actually, I think that one's weird. Uh, it's, like, harm, fairness, authority, and group impurity, which is, like, sort of similar to what that is. I, I, know, I, don't, I don't know. But, it, um... It, it seems like the only... The only ones on the... Like, there are pairs, and there's one on the left and one on the right. It seems like there's only one on the right that can even be generally considered good at all by anybody. Does that make sense? Like, what is this even doing? Like, I don't see... The oh, point. man! This this study uh, seems too too intellectual for okay. me, uh, Freedom Baby. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, I was just... It wasn't trying to... It's, it's useful. It's, it's funny. It's, I it's... didn't want to get into this. I just, it just came up as, like, an example of how I think that there are sort of similarities in the moralities across, like, like everybody, even if it well, does yeah. seem arbitrary, like, there, there are these, like, um, commonalities that I think are measurable, and, and so it's, but that doesn't really matter in the sense, because okay. I'm super, super, super duper individualist anyways, like, I don't give a yeah, fuck about, like, whether or not my morality is, like, valid to other people, like, I just see it as an exercise I do, and I find value in it, and I think other people probably do the same. I don't fucking yeah. know. Yeah. Okay. We had a thing we were going to do. Can we underrail it? No. No. There like, is I no can say something, so I don't care what anybody else has to say now. There right. is no underrailing. I do need to go in like 10 minutes, though. Oh. Who has to go? Then they should do theirs. Something disposable has to go. Oh, yeah. You're just, just, you're just, just wait, pop wait, 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 wait. Yours is yeah. like, it's about comfort, right? It's like, oh, yeah. Comfortable with? That's your thing? Well, I don't remember. Yeah, they, they, like, yeah, morality. It, okay. I. This is. People just. It's. Morality is like a tool for people in order to just find patterns in what they are and aren't socially comfortable with. And I, I don't even think it's fair to say morality is that that's how people get their values. It's um, there, there are certain patterns, certain tendencies, like there, there are certain ideas that are expressed by different events in life. And those expressions can carry emotional weight for people. And that, that, that emotional weight um kind of correlated to those situations is manifests itself in people's value systems, which then determines somebody's moral beliefs. I completely agree with what freedom baby was saying about the, um, um, morality being mainly a tool for self-reflection. Um, I don't think having morality be like a set of prescriptive rules under what I just said, that it's really just an extension of, emotional belief seems like a kind of a contradiction um, because you can't dictate what you feel. You can try to make your actions in accordance with those emotions, which is why people tend to act in ways that they think are moral. Ah, shit. Sorry. Um, but 
they it's but you can't prescribe it it's to me morality is the, the useful as a concept just because it lets us talk about our values in a more universally understandable way um and it's mainly just a tool for communication and as you said self-reflection than like a concrete well, like ethical system yeah because i mean more the experience of feeling something is like of morality like the experience of morality is something important or something that determines our behavior is like almost a universal human experience like obviously yeah. there are exceptions but oh I, I so like the main thing i would say against that like, view of morality is that i think that uh the contradiction you brought up is not in like not completely but in some part linguistic because you're like the contradiction between morality arising from like the reflection of each person or what their value, and then you see that that's contradictive with having like prescriptive ethics, right? Uh, prescriptive, yeah. Or, yeah. Well, but, but like the problem there is not that they're prescriptive. It's sorry, okay. the problem there is not that they're prescribed; it's that they're prescriptive. And in English, it's kind of funny because like. Prescribed and prescriptive, prescriptive don't actually mean the same thing. <laughs> yes. Like prescriptive implies that they come before the reflection. That right. doesn't necessarily have to be the case. For example, if your system is not prescriptive, that doesn't mean it has to be descriptive. It can be postscriptive. Basically, what this means is that you can acknowledge that like the personal individual reflection of like your own values comes first. But then, because people can talk about their own morality and their own values, you can then do an aggregate of that, and based on that aggregate, you can make rules. And those right. rules are not prescriptive because they acknowledge that the reflection comes first, but they're not guidelines and they're not descriptive either because they do have normative power. Ah, uh, I see what yeah. That's a really good yeah. distinction. I... Yeah, I misused the word. Um, sorry about that. It's, and I do think you're right about, um, about what you said at the end, because more like understanding those patterns isn't just an end to itself. That can actually help you make decisions. Like if, if I know this. Oh, sorry. Your decisions upon others. Yeah. Yeah. Where, and this might go without saying, but just since it was brought up earlier, I, this process can't really be applied objectively because you need an, an observer in order for these emotions to exist. And in the absence of observers, you don't. It's, it's not an intrinsic property of any situation. It's a property of uh, the experience of it. And so I wouldn't really call it objective at all. Guys, I just want to also know, like, I think this is, um, like, I just, like, I love like, that we're reading this context. And if you're interested, like, there is the another sort of, like, text by a Kant scholar called The Sources of Normativity, which is really, really interesting. And it's also way easier to read because it's by someone, you know, from this fucking century. So, um, <laughs> oh be a nice way to, like, imagine reading modern philosophy. <laughs> Uh, imagine thinking modern philosophy meant contemporary philosophy. Shut the fuck up. 
<laughs> Imagine using shut the fuck up as an argument. Shut the fuck up is, a, is like the best argument. Honestly, Isn't that basically like all... Guys, imagine saying imagine over and over again. <laughs> Guys. Imagine saying, imagine saying, imagine all over again. Guys, imagine, Guys, imagine like funny. continuing this fucking meme, like just no, ad no, no, infinitum. No, 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 no. Imagine, imagine not the... needing to no, leave in two minutes. I know, right? All the... <laughs> this is really important. Imagine all the people living for today. Wow. Get that fucking Dan, get out of here. Imagine <laughs> fuck off. people having actually read chapter three. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Imagine having read chapter three. We weren't supposed to. Imagine having read chapter two. Like, get a life. Dude, imagine please. having gotten past the premise. Like, come on. <laughs> okay. Imagine having more than four people in the voice call like we had last time. Ma- imagine forgetting that you don't actually need to read all of part two, and then <laughs> getting up an hour early and fucking listening to a YouTube video at double speed. <laughs> Seriously, why are there so few people? Like, I, I, I had like another thing I had to go to, but I can't imagine that that's like for everybody. No, for most people, we're just bad and procrastinate a lot, like normal. People. Oh, so they just didn't, they just didn't join, okay, because of that. Oh, well, I don't know. I think. Oh yeah, people like people are... that just didn't come. Oh no, that's weird. I don't know what's up with those people. They're just they're just bad, and we hate them. Yeah. I was yeah. gone for a few minutes. Where are we now? What What is the actual progression? Oh, nothing. I know, right? I actually, I actually do I, need to head out. I just I was just dropping by. That was fun. Uh, okay. Sorry, I'm sorry. Um, I will okay, be well, there next time. We'll I will be there next time. Coherently talk about comp more next time. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, see you guys. Uh, thanks for chilling. All right. Um. So now we're on. Uh, Gal Gaelic. Mm. <laughs> I'm um, assuming that's how you say. It. I have no fucking clue. Uh, it's close enough, I guess. Um, no, you should say what you say. It. Uh, Gal Gaelic. That was not oh. close. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know how to say close. the sounds that you just said. Gal Gaelic. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm trying to like. It doesn't matter. Anyways. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Galak? Galak? Galak. I don't know. Galak. 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 I feel like I'm trying to hawk a loogie. That's what I was going to say, but I thought yeah, that was going to say Okay, just say your head. You could just say Galak. Or I could just say Gal. What if you just call you Gulag? Yeah. There. This this will work fine. Anyways. <laughs> What is your morality? And it better be good. Yeah, uh, he's actually chaotic neutral. Sorry, my D and D character is. <laughs> I literally did um, one dumb alignment test things online for fun, and I really hoped that I would get chaotic good, and I got chaotic neutral. <laughs> At one point, like a couple of years ago, when I was different, I got. <laughs> when I, I got, was like, different. I got, I think I got like neutral evil. Like, well, nice. <laughs> was, like, my girlfriend got chaotic evil. I love oh her so much. Oh my god! Wow, it's beautiful. In characters is fun and all, but have you ever DM'd for chaotic parties? 
That'd be powerful. Makes you want to die. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get back on topic. Sorry, I I feel yes, yes. that way. Yes. Um. So yeah, I guess. I mean, I hearing everyone else speak. I guess my morality isn't very well developed at all. Um. But I guess I'm some sort of virtue ethicist. Uh. In just in the sense that I think there could be practices developed over time which help develop good character which enables people to make good judgments um, and that it doesn't necessarily have to do with good outcomes although that's obviously desirable but like I could imagine uh, there being really no good outcomes or like inconsequential outcomes but you're still doing something because it's the right thing to do hmm. um, um. And I, yeah, I guess that's... So do you think that there are clear virtues? Um, like, what is an example of a virtue? Uh, so, like, I, I wouldn't say they're clear in that you can, like, figure them out and then that's it. But I think you could identify sort of general ideas um, or groups of practices. For example courage um, like identifying what could be courageous or what sort of character you should develop to enable you to have courage um, and that could be like a process that you as an individual discover over time and then as societies over time develop as well um, I, I do definitely I am definitely partial to the approach to morality as developing character in order to help you face situations. Like, that, that, that's an interesting approach, and I think it has value. Mm. But, um, I don't know. It still feels wishy-washy. What do you mean by wishy-washy? Um, okay. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of value in having something concrete for when you're reflecting on morality, so that it gives you some way to think about it which allows you to determine, is the decision that I made the correct one? You know? Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't feel like virtue ethics will ever give something to like that. What was that? Oh, that was my, uh, my window closing. Ah. <laughs> oh, boy. It's a loud-ass window. I mean, I, I guess I can't really defend against that critique because I don't know much about it. Yeah, that, that's so. fair. That's fair. It, you definitely need some time to develop your ideas. I don't blame you for that. <laughs> no. <laughs> what? Nothing. I'm just. You definitely need some time to develop your ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Should I sound condescending? I mean, I didn't. It didn't sound at all times. You know, yes, obviously. Well, yeah, I know that, but like, did I sound especially condescending? No, I mean, I, I just, didn't interpret you're, it. You know, I didn't. I I know it came from a. It didn't come from a mean place or anything. It was just. It was just funny. It was just okay. funny because, like, it could. It, you could imagine that being said in a really passive aggressive, like, condescending way. It wasn't. <laughs> it clearly wasn't. <laughs> be really good for you to like think more. You know. Yeah. 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 You know. I think. I think if you just like thought like about things in general more, you'd just be like a better, more happy person. 
<laughs> oh man, that's so, such Korean advice. Just think more, Kappa. <laughs> Alright, yeah, I see what you're saying. That's pretty funny. I don't know, I think, so, I yeah, think that should I mean, be the I end guess... of the meeting. Like, just, just we end on that note. <laughs> yeah, guys, I think you need to just think more. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, did you say Korean way of doing things? Is that what you said? No, it's, it's just a meme. Uh, like, whenever in, like, gaming someone tells you, so how do you win? Well, just win. That's Korean advice. Like, hashtag mm. Korean advice. Oh, because yeah. I was going to say, like, like with, I mean, when I think of Chinese, like, uh, like, um, you know, the way, like, my mom, you know, she, it was always, like, you just listen um, to what your abettors tell you. That's that's what you do. It's not really that. Like Korean advice is more something like or do not. There is no try. Ah. All right. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I, we can move on. I don't know if anything eight. more interesting to present. I'm hoping that your I'm hoping that your moral philosophy is not actually hate. Um. Yeah. My moral philosophy is that everyone is awful and everyone just deserves to die. That that's the entire thing. There's no nuance. It's just. Um. No. I'm a. I'm a. Uh, I'm a preference utilitarian. Um. Which is to say that I think that uh, the maximum number of people's uh, preferences should be uh, should be fulfilled uh, to the uh, to the uh, maximal extent. Uh, possible. Don't you think that this so discounts like the value of the individual, though? Like, what? Well, just... does it though? Yeah, I mean, because I, you. I it's about. Don't see what you're there. No, because I mean, like, so it's just like a, a democratic election of like, okay, so the most people we, we go with what the most people prefer, and then what about the minority? Well, ideally, people? well, ideally, it's about it's about like uh, fulfilling the preferences of the most amount of people, like. At once, right? You wouldn't want to just you yeah. won't, wouldn't go for like oh, most people want this, therefore we should do this. It would it's more along the lines of what makes the most people happy, right? Like, yeah, no, no, no. So if you can, like, so if, if all you're trying to do is like, find a what situation make, to be the path of people, then obviously you'll end up with situations of the kind that you're critiquing. But like the point is to tr- like a. There's this great thing. Have you heard of, um, have you heard of ranked choice voting? Of which? No. Sorry. I ranked didn't... choice voting. Like proportional okay. uh, no, representation. So, so here's how here's how it works. Instead of just voting on a person, you give each person or an order. Like you order how much you like the candidates, right? And so the classic example for this is, um, say you have a car and it has three people in it, and they're trying to decide where to go to dinner, right? Um, and two of them want two of one of them is a vegetarian, the other two aren't. Um, if you vote in the normal way, then fifty percent of them go to the steak restaurant, sixty-six uh, percent actually, and so the vegetarian is not happy. But um, instead, you can have them rank three restaurants: one is a vegetarian-only restaurant, one is a steak restaurant, one has both. Um, and then you'll find that the one with both is one they're both happy with. And so you can satisfy all three of their preferences um, mm. in a way 
that is a slightly more complicated but better system of determining how yeah, to do that's, that. That's so generally is, a good way of, of describing what, what I'm talking about, yeah. That's a very specific example, and it's a very specific kind of example, but it's uh, you can see how it generalizes. Yeah, but it's an example of that type of thinking. Just have. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just you know, go with whatever the most people want, like, over what the other people want, right? Yeah. Not just find a solution that most people are happy with. Find a solution which is best. Yeah. Yeah. And then not, the find a, not find a solution like which most people are happy with. Find the solution which the most people are happy with. I mean, I think also, though, the problem I see is there's, like, a distinction between, like... Like, this really is, like, talking about social systems, like, deciding what to do in a society. Um, and, like, that's, like, ethics. And I can I can more agree with utilitarian ethics, but, like, what about, like, morality? Like, what you as an individual should do? Like, as an individual, are you always just trying to maximize the happiness of, like, everybody around you when you make moral choices? Is that what you're trying to do? Uh, when I make moral choices, I'm, I'm trying to generally, well, uh, technically... Uh, maximize the the preference fulfillment of the of those around me, but that's that's usually well, synonymous with happiness. So sure, you, yourself is also considered the list. Yeah, I am also around. I am also a person around me. Yeah. Would you not say that yourself has more weight than other people, though? Probably. Uh, does. I don't try to give myself more moral weight. Um, no, you don't. But it probably does. Um, I have uh, probably I have um, I have a greater understanding of what I want and need than other people and uh, generally a greater ability to act on on those things. Um, so generally speaking, my actions are going to be weighted around myself. Yeah, you might consider Surprise. that even, even, if you're, even if you want to take actions which fulfill preferences most effectively, um, you might find that the most effective way to do that is to fulfill your own preferences first, just because... Hmm. Um, just because my own preferences are those that... Yeah, make yeah. me most per capable unit of, time of fulfilling you spend, per, per unit of time you spend fulfilling preferences, you'll be able to create the most preference fulfillment, fulfilling your own preferences in that time, especially if they're very important, because you know your own preferences better than you know those of somebody else. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, you're more capable of, of fulfilling your own preferences than other people's in a lot of cases just because you understand yours more fully, yeah. Now, if you were, like, had the decision between killing two random people and killing your dad. Well, my this is a bad one. example so, because I don't like my dad very much. Okay, I, was actually, I was actually literally just going to say, assuming you like your dad, which you may not. Um, okay. God, that was so uh, perfect. Oh. Okay, then someone you love, you know. Yeah. Uh, a romantic partner, we'll say. Hmm. Uh, a friend. Everyone's got a friend. Yeah. Think of a specific friend. Um, uh, are you kidding me? Uh, that's a heavy assumption to make. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> kidding. Um, um, two random people. Um, hmm. uh, simply on moral grounds, I would have to go with uh, with the person I care about, although, generally speaking, it would be a difficult decision to make because, obviously... Uh, my dis because my preferences weigh heavily into my decision making, even outside of the moral like realm. 
you know um, but I, I would, realized? but I would want to, like, oh. I would hope that I would be able to make the the morally right decision there. You know, I was just thinking about what I would do, and I feel like, I mean, I would just like definitely kill the two other people. <laughs> like, I'm not saying I wouldn't. I'm saying morally speaking, no, I should. But, and, and I, I don't know what I'm morally I should do. I feel like. Mm. I feel like I wouldn't have a strong moral feeling yeah. either way. Like, I would feel like it was wrong no matter what. Well, and yeah, the, the thing would... is that, yeah, like, it's it's a really shitty thing either way, and it's... Um, there is no good another... solution here. There's just bad and worse. Yeah. That's also another reason why having some sort of systemic morality is really important. Yeah, so you can make decisions in cases yeah. like that. Yeah, so, but I, I wouldn't... When there is no... When there is no when there is no good decision, there is still a correct decision in that there is a decision. Yeah. I don't think yeah. there is a correct decision, though. I would say well, that you are like... Well, yeah, you're not uh, You're not any kind of... Your morality doesn't lead to that type of... of yeah, uh, I, I know, I know, yeah, I know. Yeah, so that's not surprising. Uh, okay, so what I would say on this matter is that I don't think that it's useful to design your morality in such a way that catch-22s can exist. I think that adds like an extra element of complexity that is unnecessary. So Occam's Razor, you know, I would say that, that Occam's Razor doesn't apply morality in that sense. That's not how that works. No, no. So what I mean specifically is that you can put it in such a way that at any point you have like multiple options. Like I'm not saying like objective morality. I'm saying according to your own preferences. And whenever you have multiple options, you can't. Practically say that all of them are bad. So I wouldn't say bad and worse. I would say actually oh. good and bad. Even in that case, with like killing one person or two people, because at the end of the day, if like we make the situation such a way that someone has to be murdered, then that's like uh, the baseline of the situation. So it's morally neutral that that happens because that thing will happen. You yeah, know you I'm know, upon reflection, I think. I mean, it's not a good feeling, but I think. I just care more about the people close to me than I do about random people. And oh, okay. Likewise, yeah, I agree. And yeah. so I think Likewise. that I, oh, I don't know. Here's here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. I think that if you have a moral system which allows you to end up in catch twenty twos like that, if you have a system which doesn't answer every question, um, every moral question, then it's not necessarily that that system is definitely wrong. But I think that it is necessarily incomplete. Does that make sense? But there's, a difference between, there's a difference between a system in which, like, eventually you will reach a contradiction, and a system in which, like, you can very easily think of a contradiction off the top of your head. It's not the same thing. Well, and, and then, actually, the principle the principle of explosion says no. Well, the principle of explosion applies to systems wait, that all wait, derive from... Wait, what's the principle of explosion? The principle okay. of explosion is a principle in formal logic where if you find a contradiction in logic, then the entirety of logic is wrong, not just that specific uh, uh, sentence. Hmm. Like, if there's one incongruity anywhere in the system, then the entire system falls, not just... Yeah, basically, if... if... If from two assumptions you can derive a contradiction, then you can also validly derive any fact. But like there, you can build systems that avoid 
abiding by the principle of contradiction. And like you can look, actually look this up. There's even like types of logic that avoid explosion. I totally want you to link that to me because that sounds awesome. Okay, sure. One second. I, 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 I've always wondered if that kind of thing was possible, but I never knew what to look up to find it. Hmm. This is like off topic and mathy, sorry. <laughs> That's alright, it's interesting. That's fine. Alright, Kate, anything else to say about your utilitarianism? No, I think I'm so. That's it. Um, unless anyone else has any questions or arguments against it. Like, I mean, I guess, yeah, I, I, um, I definitely oh. might, like, in the situation you explained, I might, um, choose the person who I care about more over the two other people, um, but that wouldn't be the morally best decision. That would be a, a decision that was overly affected by my personal preferences. So another yeah. question. Hmm? Do you, so is this specifically um, like long-term consequentialist kind of thing? It seems like it must be simply because like sometimes, sometimes the sum of everybody's preferences would lead to a situation in an instant, which would lead to necessarily. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not necessarily problem. talking about people's about only people's short-term preferences. Okay. 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 Yeah. Like people. So, like you. So you like you wait. Like, you. Like, you weight people's yeah. preferences that, uh, like, f people's long-term preferences okay. are generally uh, of heavier weight than their short-term preferences, so yeah. you so, should... So, as an example, yeah. if somebody's preference is not to die, and their preference is also to have a cookie, then you would not give them a cookie if it would kill them. Yes, exactly. Because, uh, okay. because they, well, unless you somehow know that they value having that cookie over not dying... <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but generally speaking, you can assume that that's the case. <sighs> okay, okay. I just wanted to make sure of that. I just wanted to make sure of that. Yeah. Alright, this is interesting. I'm I'm gonna look at I'm gonna look at both of these later. Cool. Paraconsistent logic. This is some weird shit. Okay. Yeah, that definitely uh, looks interesting. I'm I'm also gonna wanna look into that. Yeah. Uh it it never it, ne it never really occurred to me except in passing that the principle of explosion and stuff like that were properties of our specific logical systems. Yo, Wikipedia is not loading for me, but, like, obviously my internet is fine because I'm still on the hmm. fucking call. It's loading for me. That is what weird. Oh, yeah, for the record, in terms yeah, of my yeah, recording, I... there are definitely going to be some, uh, some low-quality portions because my CPU has been having problems lately. Right. Um, but, uh, but it's all understandable anyway, because right, so I understood it. Also, but, I guess yeah. I should, we should clarify, everybody is okay with these being recorded, right? Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> oh, shit. We talked I, about it a lot. I think, I, I think somebody would have spoken up. Yeah, I certainly hope someone would have mentioned it if they had a problem with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I did realize... Silence is consent, boys. Silence is consent. <laughs> Joking. Oh, dear. Um, That's what it sounded right. like for a second there. Alright. Friggin' humming at historic. You got things to say? Um. It, it's just that. Um. Uh, I mean, m my. Ethical. Well, I mean, metro, metro ethical views of. 
underdeveloped. Um, it, I mean, I mean, before this, I was basically moral, some sort of moral anti-realist, and I, I just, I just wasn't really convinced that, that though I hadn't really researched it too much, to be honest. And uh, but I, I, I was basically just convinced you, know, you can't get naught from an is and those sorts of things. But I've had a few conversations with. Uh, it, more base uh, people such as utilitarians, and, and they'll just say this distinction. You, you, you know what they say um, in terms of basically in terms of inductive reasoning. Like, you, yeah. of course, you can't get in. Uh, if you say you can't get a naught from an is, then you can't get a has been the two will. Or, 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 or sorry, or, or you can't get an naught from an is, but you can get an naught from an is and a want, right? Like, you, so sorry, like. Like given given what you want to have, like your your preferences, you can get an odd, like from that and and the cases that are. Well, Just you can't you can't derive um you can't derive uh, goals from facts on their own. Like, yeah. That's not really an odd, but, is it? It's more like a how. Like I want to do this how. Yeah, exactly. An art, right? oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't get an art from an is. You can get an art from an is and a goal. Yeah. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah. Like if you have a specific goal, there is definitely a wrong way to do it. Like an objectively wrong way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, well, I guess... Well, uh, I mean, it's like, it's how to... In terms of the goal, I mean, what, what, I guess, you know, how do you determine... Um, what that would be? Oh, um, by what you care about. What? But, you can't objectively uh, decide what is best to care about because there is nothing. There is no basis from which to decide that. It, it's yeah. Uh, we are also anti-realists, so yeah, goals are not. Well, yeah. Sorry, thing. assuming assuming you're a moral anti-realist. If, if you're a moral realist, then I suppose you're you can define that by however the fuck you figure out. What is the true morality? But and most we people don't have aren't enough because diversity. it's kind of we don't impossible. have enough diversity. Yeah. <laughs> you you can yeah if if you can somehow just derive your morality from reality in the sense that oh it exists over here look then I guess there it is there's the goal but um that I you can't. <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, it, it, well, it, I um. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I would. I still agree. Um. I, I, I'm. I. It. I was going to say that. Have, have you? Uh. This. There's so stupid, many but, like partially cut off sentences in both of our. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, that's uh, okay. I was doing it too. Um. But there's also you could say uh, a kind of a distinction between. Yeah, is uh, you, you can't get an all from this, but it's it's also I've heard that. Well, if you say that, then you can't get a uh, a will be from an is in a sense. You get the few you can't basically can't trust inductive reasoning. I, I've heard. Well, I mean, it, well, that's well, kind well, of well, not accurate though. Like you can you can der- like assuming I guess given the assumption that things generally continue in in the way that they like have like you know you can assume if you can assume cause and effect you can assume that like you can get 
uh, will be from from an is. Right? Like, well, oh, uh, look, this person is hitting this baseball with a bat. So given that in previous instances where this type of thing has happened, uh, the ball, uh, the thing that has been hit has moved in a certain way, I can then say that that thing will do a similar thing here. Right? Like, you can, well, as long as you, you can assume that causation is real. And even if you can't say, like, necessarily, like, um, like, causation is real, I mean, it just, so far, it seemed to be good enough, so it's probably, probably... Yeah, the, the thing is that assuming that causation exists has worked so far, uh, and thus it probably will. By its own I mean, logic. we just we might as well. Like, otherwise, you're just stuck in limbo, being like, "Oh, like I have no reason to believe." Like, there's oh my god, there's a fucking. Uh... And if we're putting this into moral thinking, like most people will agree with that anyway, because if you if you don't believe that causation is real, I don't know what the fuck you're doing, like anywhere, right? Like, it, it's can't even imagine what it would look like for causation to not be real. I can't imagine what it would look like for a person to literally believe that causation is not real. Oh, okay, 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 wait, guys, guys, guys. I have a comic from Existential Comics. Of course. Okay, yes, Hume. perfect. TTP. New protocol. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. I'm so annoyed. <laughs> okay, so uh, I want... I want... Yeah, it's just it a text, text transfer text protocol. protocol. It's, just, it's just plain text. Oh wait, actually, that's not even the best one that for this particular concept. I mean, all of oh, this one's actually better for that particular concept. It doesn't matter. They're all good. They are. Okay, so I want I wanted to I wanted to make the point that um although it is po- although it is not possible for causality to exist, I do think it is possible to believe reasonably that it is that it is possible for events to occur which do not have causes. Wait, say that you think it's possible for events to not have causes? No, 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 no. I think that one could reasonably believe, or at least semi-reasonably believe, that it's possible for events to not have causes. Like, at all? Yeah. Like, like, like in this belief, one would believe that most events have causes, but that it's possible for an event to occur which does not have a cause. And I guess it is possible <laughs> to believe that um, and and still function most of the time, but um, is it reasonable to believe? It's that not really. Yeah, I would say it's not a reasonable belief to a belief to have. I mean, again, like when seventy percent of the planet believes in God, we can't say it's not like it's something rare. Because, like in most religions, the God is the thing that is uncaused by definition. A lot of people believe that there can be such things as uncaused phenomena. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess, like, there's a difference between, like, like, I I was sort of thinking as in just, not just, like, the, you know, the initial initiator of reality or whatever as not having a cause, but of thinking as things, like, within reality not having a cause. That's what I was thinking that Somniad was getting at. I can't imagine Sorry, I'm also that. reading the comment, and then I heard my name. Was that what you were getting at? The, like, what was I getting that, at? 
were you, were you talking about like the idea, like as Cryo mentioned, which I did not think that's what you're referring to, of like there is a singular thing that doesn't have a cause, like the reason, like the universe itself, like existing doesn't really necessarily have a cause or God not having a cause and God like makes the universe. So God is the cause of everything else after him, but he himself doesn't have a cause. Or are you talking about within reality? Like after uh, reality, reality already exists, you can imagine things happening that don't have a cause. Which were you talking about? Now that I think about it, the very idea of reality having a cause is fucking wacky. I need to think about my metaphysics. <laughs> yeah. Generally speaking, the, the line that I take is, I don't know, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. We, we literally don't know anything about how about how it came to be, or if that's even, like... It's because kind of a nonsense realistically, question. Realistically, yeah, yeah. cause and effect exist with, within reality. They don't necessarily actually apply to it, like, yeah. I mean, the thing is that, so, basically the way that universe works is <laughs> that, yeah, so uh, the way the universe works is that uh, things happen one after the other because, uh, like, in the context of causality, because time can actually pass. Without reality, you don't have time. When you yeah. say that... Time like, is, a, is a thing within reality. Appeared, yeah. I mean, like, there are, like, some theories that are, like, undergoing now. Uh, they're pretty mathematical. There's no, like, uh, empirical proof for them. But, like, there are attempts for models of timeless physics that would allow for that. They're not, like, the consensus. The current consensus is that uh, time passing is, like, a feature of reality and of space. Like, an emergent property of that. Like, the... Uh, Increasing level of information and entropy between the entanglement of uh, like base particles, and in that context, yes, time is a feature of reality. So before reality, there was no time. Before reality existed, there was no such thing as cause and effect. But now that we're in reality, there's only such thing as cause and effect. That's that's mm. not, but that doesn't make sense. There is no. How how could it make sense for there to be a moment of reality coming into existence, and therefore that would be required for there to be a before reality, if time is contingent on the existence of reality? But we don't know when reality started. We can't of, okay, yeah. Realistically, what we we don't mean we don't mean. Well, I don't. I wouldn't mean um, before reality. I would say outside of reality. Since yeah, before doesn't there is no such thing as before reality. There is no such thing as outside of reality. No. Sorry, I'm eating, but no problem. It's just nonsense. Like conceptually, we can like talk about something being quote unquote outside of reality, but like all that exists is reality. There is nothing that exists outside of reality. Like right in this case, in this case, in the I'm saying for reality, I mean like this universe i i suppose yeah reality does just doesn't uh, refer to everything regardless of whether it's in this universe or not outside of this universe exists platonic concept of the ideal cup oh, of coffee which i'm gonna make right now <laughs> <laughs> you know what I, sure. I could also use to make the ideal cup of coffee pretty soon that, that would be pretty nice i uh one second, let me go check the International Standards Organization website. <laughs> <laughs>
there there is I believe there is a standard for a cup of coffee and it's pretty shit. One for a cup it's of tea. tea. If I had coffee now, I probably wouldn't be able to sleep well tonight. Fair. Fair. Okay. Fucking, I guess we're to me then. I am incidentally last again. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. So, I'm gonna go about this in... I was ready. I was tapping a bunch of shit down in a text document while you guys were talking. Um, because you guys brought up a lot of good points that I thought, oh, I should probably address that when going over my thing. <laughs> Okay, so I think the first thing to note is that I am definitely a moral anti-realist. Um, the way I word this here is there is no, because we've been talking about Kant, and so I figured this would be a fun way to put it, there is no universal goal, and there is no non-subjective goal of humans. And Wait, a fortiori... Because, like, I'm, I guess I'm kind of dumb, like, I don't know... Can someone please just define moral anti-realism? Oh, it means you don't no. think morality I... exists in reality. Like, external, like, from people. Like, there is no... There is no morality like, which can be determined... <laughs> there is no morality which can be determined right? for a reason. Pretty there much. is no morality which can be determined uh, without a subjective perspective. None of that. Yeah. Basically, right, just... morality is subjective and not actually real. Alright. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And And so, anyway... There is no universal goal, and there is no non-subjective goal of humans, and a fortiori, ooh, a generalized category which contains humans. <laughs> um, so I, I do want to take a moment to talk about the definitions that I use for the words right and wrong. Um, it seems like some people think of wrong as an action which creates negative... Ne like a negative you know what okay I used to use the phrase well-being to describe the way I think about utilitarianism and I always that was always the thing that I felt most iffy about you know fucking I used to do that and I did that until about like half an hour ago and then hate said preference and I just decided wow that is really good and I don't think I'm going <laughs> I, I, I think I'm just going to take that right away and not even think about it very critically because there, even if, it's, even if it's even if there's a problem with it, there's no way it's worse than well-being. What a term! <laughs> yeah, the general the general term you could use um, for like referring to it, uh, like regardless of specific um, utilitarian system, is to just say uh, utility. I know, but I don't like that either. That's that's fair. I wouldn't say, uh, like, and you I, shouldn't use utility like specifically for like whatever you specifically believe. I just mean like as a general term to refer to whatever it is people value in their moral systems okay. in general. Yes, preferences is. preferences are a very good one. Those that aligns with my moral intuitions really well. Okay, lovely. So, um, so right and wrong are really tricky ideas, and I do want to clarify my definition. Um, I think like some people think that wrong is when somebody's wrong is when some outcome happens which is not desirable for some reason right like it's morally it's morally wrong that some things are inherently wrong or that something is wrong when it fails to satisfy some preferences right but like i don't agree with this i think that when faced with a situation there is a there are wrong answers which 
make things worse by taking that action, and there are right answers which work to make things better, and then there is a correct answer, and the correct answer is... Is what makes the things the best. Is the answer which makes things best. And so, yeah. ultimately, your goal is to have an answer that is correct, as correct as possible. Yeah. As close to the... To the what, what was the term yeah. used, actually? The best uh, answer? Yeah, as, yeah, as, as best. Yeah. yeah. As best Fucking, as possible. As, as close to the best answer as possible. Fucking... There is a best answer, but it is usually almost impossible to know, because you would have to have, like, infinite processing power and infinite knowledge. Um, but your goal should be to get the best answer you can. Given the time you have um, to decide. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Um, because usually and, not deciding is not the best answer. Okay. And so one might wonder, well, how the fuck do I come to this goal? Um, and so ultimately I do think... Uh, <laughs> ultimately I do think that morality has more anti-realist I think that the source oh, of morality oh well, I should say cryo-liberal just said inaction is action I forgot I have to be yeah I, I approve oh, yeah. yes uh, I also approve I think that um, what what you do and what outcome that leads to um, uh, sorry what ag- what course of action you take Course of action is a very good alternative to action because inaction is part of the course of action. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But also, there's okay, a difference okay. between not doing something and choosing to not do something. Don't have perfect overlap. Well, mm-hmm. uh, but for the purposes of utilitarianism, they are the same. That's no, true. they're not because they show something about your preferences. Because if you didn't know that you could have done something, then you're not doing it doesn't say anything about your moral character. We're not talking about not doing something specifically. We're saying I'm talking about not doing anything at all in a situation, like not, not performing an action. Right? And you could also, I mean, you could not do anything because you don't feel like doing anything, and you could also not do anything because you believe that you there's nothing you can do. And those two are different moral actors because from that you can glean different types of behavior in the future, not similar types of behavior. Okay. That's, That's fair, fair um, but also we. Keep, but also, given that you can't look inside that person's mind, I don't think that there is externally any difference. Either. I've also required the person to disclose that to you, which is itself a difference of action. Yeah. And yeah, you can't have a perfect guess at that. You can just try to. Yeah, to but yes, you can't. But yes, theoretically, if you if you are aware of of uh, like two people acting in those different ways, then you will gener- Then generally speaking, those are like. Though you you can predict those people acting different ways, and, and they are and yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that that is certainly though a practical distinction. Um, yeah, which that's a practical distinction, not really a moral distinction. Yeah, um, it, it's more about figuring out specific actions rather than general principles. Um, okay, so anyway, as a moral anti-realist, um, there are only two approaches that I see as valid to morality, and those are to source your morality from emotion in some way, or to take a moral nihilist standpoint, and to be like, you know what, I don't even care, fuck morality, fuck off, I'm gonna go play video games. In the uh, colloquial sense of nihilism, not the uh, 
not the ethical yeah. sense, uh, not the not the philosophical sense of nihilism. Yeah, it um, is necessary to clarify here. <laughs> well, I, I do I do think that actually is a philosophically consistent approach, which is important. Hmm. You know? Yes. Well, I would like to add um, though that like if, even if you say like you person should go into play video games, fuck fuck morals, who cares? Like it doesn't erase the feelings inside yourself um, towards morality. Uh, that you have um, so I mean in a sense like when you do say fuck morality um, sometimes you have to fight against your own moral feelings in order to do that yeah that's true no um, I could definitely I personally could definitely choose to just not dude um, I mean <laughs> as, someone, as someone who may or may not have Try to just completely not give a fuck about morality and do everything based on self-interest. It involved a lot of fighting against. I I, I did not realize uh, I had you know a lot of mm. maybe you could just say it was empathy for other people, but like a lot of times yeah. when I would just naturally wouldn't want to do things even well, though I was like oh that makes more your, sense. Well, your own feelings like about a thing, like your own emotional feelings about a thing, are like a part of your self-interest. Well, and then maybe my fucking morality is completely self-interested in it because it is based entirely on my feelings and how I feel. I just want to be comfortable. Like, yeah, framing that as entirely self-interested is, I think, a valid alternative phrasing, which is essentially the same as what you said. Yeah. It is possible to have an entirely self-interested morality based entirely on just, look, I feel like this is wrong, and the fact that I feel like this is wrong affects my my well-being, which is the thing I actually care about. Yeah, that is that is a valid stance. Yeah, th- that is ultimately the default stance of morality. Intuition is that what it's called? I, Intuit- I'm not actually what it's called. Uh, moral Wait. intuitivism. It's uh, what uh, freedom baby becomes. <laughs> it's such a dumb ah, thing. intuition is deontology. Yeah. <laughs> also, I say, I say intuitive deontology just to be clear. But uh, you it's such both. a fucking made up thing. It's a made up thing. It's not real. Yeah. Calling it intuition, calling it intuitive is a good, good way to put it because it is entirely based on intuition. Um, okay, so anyway, the point is that if you are to actually take a moral stance which isn't that de facto selfishness, right? Um, then you have, I think, that the best approach to this. I th- this is not this is not me making a statement about like objective fact here. This is just me making like a a heuristic statement, um, which might seem a little bit wonky, but basically I think the best approach to that is to take an axiomatic approach to morality. And I think it's worth spending some time defending that, defending uh, the advantages. Hey, just for the record, guys, I, uh, I'm running low on disk space, so I've got about uh, nine minutes left of recording left. Yeah, I won't lie to you. Also, my attention span is severely... <laughs> after three hours, so I I don't know how much more. Like, I mean, I can still just obviously record if you guys want to go, but like, um, yeah, <laughs> Audacity has decided that it's being fickle. I now have four minutes. Um, well, I'm still recording. Okay, as well, okay. But, yeah, I might but, be done right. recording pretty soon. <laughs> okay, and anyway, uh, um, axiomatic morality is important, I think, because it provides a groundwork for action. Um, the point of developing a moral axiom is to have a principle of action to follow, which will lead 
me to action, which I can determine was correct upon reflection. So, like, the idea is that um, I can have something where I can look back on that and go, yes, that was the right decision. And uh, the reason that's important is because uh, if... Okay. Um, it, the reason that's important is because any other approach to morality will lead my decisions to be biased by the situation I'm currently in. And the, especially when making moral decisions, the moment of making the decision is an emotional one. So if I don't have a principle to act on, then I'm going to make decisions I don't ultimately deeply agree with. Hmm. Um, and if I can find a principle that I can act upon, that if I can find a principle that I can use to make action that I will agree with in retrospect, then it will prevent me from making moral decisions that ultimately agree with due to personal biases. Hmm. That makes sense. Um, yeah, so it's ultimately not a completely 100% necessary thing to take a moral axiom, but I think it is extremely useful if I can find one that I ultimately agree with in all situations. And I do believe that uh, what I'm now calling preference utilitarianism <laughs> is, uh, is that thing, right? It will always lead me to answers which I agree with in retrospect. Um, it's also important because it makes my moral decisions stronger. If my principle is right, and my facts are right, and my logic is right, my moral decision will be right. As opposed to wishy-washy morality, which is extremely difficult to judge as logically sound or logically unsound. Um, and the final thing is that probability is important. Um, if I, I don't have all the information, I may make the decision which is most likely to work out well, given the information I have, and still see that decision come out awful. But I can still say I made the right decision, even if it turned out like shit, because based on the information I had, this was the outcome, or this was the decision which was most likely to have the best outcome. Yeah. Although, of course, you want to uh, then update your uh, your priors for future uh, predictions. Fucking, that's just normal Bayesian stuff. Yeah. Bayesian? I'm just simping for, yeah. for base, yeah. Yeah, I'm just simping for base. My, my girlfriend has a sister named Basia. <laughs> oh, I, I don't... It's not relevant, it's just funny. Anyway, this is definitely really similar, I think. Uh, most similar to what Hate put forth. Um, I do think that the meta justification for it definitely has more to it. Hmm. Yeah. So the question is, uh, the question I suppose for, especially freedom, since uh, freedom has the most contradictory system to what I have here, is um, how do you deal with the fact that um, without a principle to act upon, you can make decisions which are influenced by, principally by what you're feeling in a situation that you may disagree with upon well. reflection? I want to be clear, though, I just, like, when I say, like, I go based on my feelings, it doesn't mean I haven't, like, developed some kind of principles um, yeah, of that I've clearly, like, spelled out for myself that I follow. Um, it's and, and although it might be, 
in a situation, I might have, like I said, an, an overwhelming moral feeling to do one thing over another, which isn't necessarily, like, it, it doesn't come from, like, oh, I have a spell that moral principle, and that's why I feel this way. It's like, the moral feeling comes first, um, but I still, based on those moral feelings I've had and do have when I just consider different potential situations, devise some sort of, like, clear principles that I follow and I, I use to guide myself, especially when things are less clear. Um, wait, does that answer your question? I don't know if it does. What was your question? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I told you my brain is like no, fried. Um, oh. The question was just how do you deal with the fact that... Um, I think you answered it pretty well. The question was how do you deal with the fact that uh, without... Without exact principles, you may make decisions in moments which you disagree with in retrospect. Oh, oh, oh. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is, like, that's just that's just that may happen. Um, I haven't really found it to happen where I did something I thought was right in the moment. Like, I thought I felt really strongly that I knew it was right, and then I looked back and I was like, "Damn, that was wrong." Like, I, I haven't actually experienced that, but I can imagine experiencing that. Um, mm. And I think I would, I mean, part of this is my life philosophy of not regretting things just because you can't control what you've already done. But I guess I would also say, you know, what's important to me is that I strive to do what's best. Um, and if I, I was still striving to do what was best in that moment, like, even if I might disagree in the future, it doesn't change that I was still striving for the best. I mean, it's much more common for me to look back and realize, wow, I was really not trying to do what was best. Like I was, um, mm. you know, not being moral, not because I had the wrong morals in mind, but because I wasn't trying to be moral in the first place. Okay. Okay. Right. That makes sense. So in that case, you in in that case, you pretty much just subvert all of what I just said because I it, it is self admitted that having that axiom isn't strictly necessary if you never run into a situation where it is necessary over not having it, and it seems like you just haven't. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, well, yeah. that, that that hasn't happened. I don't. I haven't needed to do that. Fair yeah. enough. Uh, I, I, I really. I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, well, there is one more advantage. There is one more advantage that is purely for fun um, that just fulfills a really stupid preference of mine, mm -hmm. um, which is that if I take a moral axiom, then it makes discussing morality a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, fair. I mean, have any, guys, any of you guys read Kierkegaard? Like, tr Fear and Trembling? Yes. Only a little. Wait, Cryo, did you actually read it? And yeah, you told me to, so I did it. Oh, you never told me you read it, and we never talked about oh, it. Yes. Oh. oh, we never talked about it, yeah, but I did I did tell you why. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, okay, because, uh, here, I mean, we, I think we briefly passed this over when we talked about Camus, but, um, I think, like, I really, res it really resonates with me, that message, and I think it informs some of how I think about morality, where Kierkegaard mentions that, um, there is this, like, there is like obviously he called it ethics, which I, I believe, which has to do with society. It has to do with like um, like norms. Like uh, and he, he talks specifically about uh, the 
Bible story of Abraham going to kill his son Isaac. Like, in ethic, ethically, it's wrong to go fucking kill your son and take him and sacrifice him. Like, that's wrong. You talk to any other human being, they're going to be like, that's wrong. That's awful. That doesn't make any sense. That's just going to cause know. harm. You shouldn't do that. Um, wait, wait, not any other human being. It isn't like, I, I'm pretty sure most Christians that I know would say, nah, he was doing the right thing. No, 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 but the thing is, okay, most Christians might say Abraham was doing the right thing, but let's say that your neighbor, you're a Christian, and your neighbor Charlie comes out and says, God told me to take my son and go sacrifice him. What do you think most Christians are going to do? They're going to uh, think, be a hypocrite. yeah, oh, but they're not going to be a hypocrite. No, they're not yeah. going to be a hypocrite. They're, ju- they're going to, you know, go off of their ethics of, normal society and say like you're fucking crazy i don't believe you i'm going to stop you um and that's so totally correct that's totally a, a valid way of thinking because um, what what told abraham to go kill his son um was god directly telling him he told him as an individual and that communication was entirely subjective there's no way anybody else could have known about it um and so what abraham felt was right. It felt it so deep in his core as right, inherently right. Um, it didn't come from ethics or society or the norms or any utilitarian ethics. It came from something beyond that. It, what Kierkegaard referred to as the universal. Um, I also want to say hallucination. You could say that too. Um, and that's the thing. I mean, and, but that's, but that's in a sense that represents my, you know, idea of morality. Um, it, it doesn't come from other people. It comes from something outside of it that's more important than, you know, a utilitarian calculus of what's best for everybody. Like, I will totally agree. Like, when you're designing a government, like, sure, like, it makes sense to do use a utilitarian calculus to, like, devise a system like that. I can get behind that. That's fine. But when to- even though maybe I don't actually want that, but, like, I can understand it and think it's valid. But when it comes to a personal morality, um, I believe it's something beyond that, um, something that just, it's just, and, and yes, I think it's rooted in biology. Ultimately, our biology as like social beings, we have these in, um, inclinations to towards certain behaviors that promote certain things. I don't know. We just, we just, we just have things we want to do and having strong feelings for towards particular types of actions is just an inherent part of our nature. Um, so I'm not saying that there isn't some biological root to it. It's not necessarily a higher power, like moving something inside of us, it's not the Holy Spirit coming and telling yeah, us what's right or wrong. And, and I definitely agree with that, right? Like I acknowledge actively that the source of emotions, or sorry, the source of morality from my perspective is definitely, um, emotions, which I think, I think the more I, sublime might be the wrong word. No, I like that word. I mean, I yeah, love, uh, guys, I, I, I just want to be clear, guys. I love religion. Like, I would, I like go to church. Like, I'm like, I like lead worship at church. I, now, oh, man. my beliefs on the matter, uh, you know, but I love, I fucking love religion. <laughs> I love that shit. It's so fun. It's great. I mean, I say fun, but it's, I think it's gen- there's genuinely good things about religion and like, anyways, um, I think- uh, okay, just as a utilitarian, I'm just going to throw shade and say that um, the preference fulfillment of religious people 
brought about by religion is vastly outweighed by the massive amount of social harm that religion always causes. Well, organized... I well, agree. first of all, how do you measure the harm of religion? Because we can measure the harm of organized religion, but how do you measure the benefits of individuals having religious beliefs that could have well, only have resulted from an organized religion? Ultimately, religious beliefs come in the form of faith, which are toxic to any ideology because they uh, encourage... Uh, are you... Uh, I mean, you can say faith can be toxic, but faith can also be good. It can give meaning to your life. It can make you feel like something's important. I mean, I feel like it's okay, really valid like, when D2 okay, talked wait, wait. about we need the to define of God faith. Okay, okay. Fa okay, faith, as far as I can tell, is to believe something which does not have evidence supporting it. Is that reasonable? Well, yeah, like, I mean, it's like okay. the, the faith I have for that things my, unseen. No, the faith it, I have that my... Yeah. Following my personal morality is meaningful or important. The faith I have okay. that it's right, that's faith. There's yeah. no if evidence for okay. my morality. And if I believe that, and I do, that preference fulfillment is, is extremely important, then I also necessarily believe that it is extremely important to have correct information. It is extremely important that when you make decisions, the factors which you take into account are accurate reflections of reality, because if they aren't, then you're not going to be able to be very effective in that goal. And this means that... And arguably that applies to other moralities, just in terms of fulfilling yeah, goals yeah. that go towards them. Any vaguely consequentialist morality, or even any, like, fucking para-consequentialist morality, practically, always will rely on this principle that having more information is always good for fulfilling the moral obligation, any moral obligation. And because of this, this implies that holding yourself to a standard of belief which does not hold evidence as important Incredibly. inherently... Um, <laughs> your yourself to experience a, is a piece of evidence. Say what? Your subjective experience is a piece of evidence. Yes. Yes, it but, is. Yes. But what I'm saying is that faith, faith is not just about the subjective experience. It's about having beliefs about the non-subjective reality, which are not supported by evidence. And um. in, do, in doing so, in doing so, that is a faulty standard for evidence, which, if accepted, causes false beliefs inevitably. If and you're philosophically Yeah, and false beliefs are harmful because they lead to shitty capability for preference fulfillment. Yeah. I mean, I think part of the issue is that you can say, oh yeah, false beliefs are harmful, but like, how do we really know which beliefs are true and which are false? Beliefs which are not based on, which are not accurately based on reality, like, like coming from that, are, le are, are demonstrably less likely to be true. To be, yeah, um, I mean, I guess you could yeah. you could take the you could take the big brain approach and preserve <laughs> religion by claiming that there is no objective reality at all, or that we can't observe it um, even approximately. Or you but just like, look, look at the way that religious practices make people happy. And I didn't say that some they religious didn't, practices didn't make people happy. I, I wouldn't argue that all no, of them no, do. No, no, no. Of course, not all of them do. And I think the particular thing with Christianity is if you're a straight person. 
who's oh, wants to have kids and get married and like that's like something that can fit like if you're a quote unquote forgive me normal person you know if you are <laughs> but you'll be pretty happy if you follow the be- beliefs you probably will um it doesn't account for the individuals outside of that norm who you know are gay or transgender it may not account for that um, depending on your type of Christianity, of course. The one I happen to go to is uh, they believe the Bible is literally true and that evolution did, is a hypnotic is great. They're lovely people. I love them to death. Like, you don't, like, they're wonderful, wonderful people. Um, oh, okay, okay. Like so they're wonderful, you're, you're wonderful people watching, to you. You're watching your religion cause everybody around you to have false beliefs due to their faulty standard of evidence. I mean, what does not believing in evolution do? Evolution is extremely important for understanding what does not reality. Believe, okay. Understand. No, what okay, is, wait, what let is, me talk, let me talk, okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Evolution is really important for understanding biological realities and how they come to be, and having that general framework okay, allows... Just so, just so you know that most people who don't believe, are like, are creationists, they, it's not that they don't believe in, and it's a cringe. They call it microevolution. They don't believe yeah, in macroevolution. God, I forgot about so fucking microevolution. Look, I've, I've had some, some fun dealings with, I mean. I believe know. in exactly as much evolution as somebody can convince me that I would be able to see with my eyes. Well, look, I mean, the thing is, <laughs> it, I think, I, I, I think that, um, I mean, I, I don't know. I just don't like it when people paint religion as just like, oh, it's just bad. It's just harmful. And I don't think... Well, I don't I, think I'm, I'm, that we're not arguing that it's just harmful. There are definitely benefits. We're arguing yeah, no, no, that, no, no. generally I, speaking, I, I, it's not as efficient in terms of its benefits as it easily yes, could be. Cryoliberal cryo says, there is absolutely no evidence that not believing in evolution leads to bad outcomes. I literally know medical researchers who are creationists. Fucking, here's the thing though, right? Having, having and have, using evolution as a perspective for understanding people is extremely useful because a lot of people's behaviors make sense only if you consider them, consider them as evolved creatures. I completely disagree. I think that also, I think evolutionary psychology is the most is like the sketchiest science like of them all. You cannot test any of those hypotheses. It's not ethical to test them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so guys, um, I know this is like quite off topic, but like I I think like Somiat said like that you probably, like most of us here that are consequentialists probably are like against faith. And um, I, I said, like, it's only, like, off-topic. We can only talk about this if you want, but, like, my system... I think system we should definitely continue this conversation next week, by the way. Okay, sure, sure. Because <laughs> it's great. Well, your audacity is already fucked up. Uh, my audacity is fine. Uh, my uh, my disk space is not. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I deleted some shit, so I'm actually good now. Oh, and I, I well, have it's, the disks. it's just that Audacity stores its stuff temporarily on my main drive, which is way smaller. Oh, oh. I've had that problem before too. Yeah, oh. yeah, but it's fine. How big is the Audacity shit. file at this point, by the way? Um, currently, uh, I'm not sure how big it is, but it's at three hours. Oh, yeah. okay. You're, you're going to want to export that to something that has relatively low audio quality. 
I I'll just export I'll just export it at like uh, uh, twenty two thousand hertz um, uh, as an AUG. It'll be fine then, because they're AUGs are fucking tiny, man. Yeah. Yeah. This is true. They're not that bad. No, they they actually sound they actually in some cases sound sound better than other formats. They 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 sound fine. Um, they're just also really small, which is nice. <laughs> I want to hear consequentialist faith, please. Consequentialist faith? I don't know, cry. Uh, yeah, cry. And then, yeah, more I, I agree. That sounds way more words on the topic. Yeah, no. Here's the thing, though. I think the okay, it, okay. <laughs> I know exactly how you feel. <laughs> other problem is that it would all be fine. It would all be relatively fine and it wouldn't be that big of a deal if religion was just like this thing where it's just like, you accept something in your head and then it's just like, okay, whatever. I guess I'm just gonna just compartmentalize that and this is a belief that I have that doesn't really affect other things. The whole thing, the whole reason it's important and meaningful is because it does affect your life. It gives your whole life meaning. It gives you some fucking principles by which to live by so you're not just floating around like, I don't know what I mean. What he means is people compartmentalize it. So like, um, like medical researchers who don't believe in evolution, right? Like they can do that because they compartmentalize it away from their work and don't like... No, but the thing is, you can... That's just being a good scientist. Excuse me, but the thing is, like, even if you do not believe that the Earth, like, if you believe, even if you are a creationist in the sense that you believe the Earth is created six to eight thousand years ago, even if you believe that like evolution cannot give rise to the uh, diversity in species that we see today, it doesn't mean that you think that the processes that we attribute to evolution aren't happening and aren't real and aren't affecting the world as we see them now. It just means yeah. that you do not think those processes were sufficient to bring about the Earth we see today. That's all that it means. Okay, but like, this is really important still because it's like, because religion is necessary, because especially specifically, um, like just to, just to refer specifically to Christianity here, um, because it is necessarily a thing which like because he's a, you're claiming it's a good thing that it permeates um, most aspects of a person of a of a religious person's life, but this also necessitates this practically necessitates at least that it will also create more wrong beliefs, which may be more specific to the individual, but which are necessarily there. I mean, I don't know. Like, first of all, I just have a problem with thinking that one, wrong beliefs are necessarily harmful, and two, how the fuck do you know whether a belief is wrong or right? If their belief is not based on reality, it is necessarily less likely to be. But how do you know accurate. what's based on reality? I mean, like the whole all. Of if it's based on faith, that's not based on reality. That's based on it feels right. It's based or... on their reality. I mean, that is reality. Your experience is reality. Oh my God. It's not, yeah, okay. It's, no, it's not, it's not even based on that part, though. It's just based on this feels like it's, like, it's, it's very, I, 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 I already, obviously. But, you, but here's the thing, um, most people, like, when you talk about faith, like, I feel like it's a bit of a straw man to think people are just like, oh, I feel like that's true, so I think that's true. Like, faith, like, You're I, right, they usually have less reason than that. Faith? Dude, I'm getting all triggered right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Here's, no. 
listen, I was, no, I was a me. fundamentalist excuse Christian. Excuse me, the first, like, can I finish, please? Like, oh my God, like, you're just talking over me, and I, I'm so sorry. I'm you're like, right, I'm, I'm sorry, can, can, I'm can you let Samia talk and stop talking over him? Like, this is just, <laughs> this is just you, uh, you, uh, oh, I, I can't even keep that going, I, I Damn it. <laughs> You're your right. I shouldn't have been even, Your voice wasn't even that different. Um, but, like, faith, yeah. how it actually is, like, you have to get, like, I can I can do some voices, okay? But um, <laughs> I won't. But um, <laughs> faith in practice, it usually, it, it really doesn't convince people of, like, from the majority of like just really ridiculous things it, it, the types of things that happen through faith um are usually much more to do with like how to like what they should do in their day-to-day lives it's not like um i mean i i don't know i think i'm reiterating what i said before i just don't think like having be- beliefs that contradict you know, what science, like the scientific consensus on reality, like for the most part, like isn't sufficiently harmful. Um, That's just not true at all. Like opposition to trans people actually just wouldn't exist if not for faith. And also, I... I, I, Well, yeah. I don't know if it's faith that does that. It's organized religion that does that. And, And yet again, I'm not saying that religion can't be harmful, but its harm is a result of the organization. I mean, like, for instance, my little uh, church that I go to, um, they didn't want to perform a wedding when they found out that there was going to be a transgender person there. And that's like, you know... That's, <laughs> sorry, like, okay. wait, sorry, the, per- the transgender person was, like, a part of the wedding or were, or was yes. literally just attending? A part of the wedding. Okay, part, wait, wait, I, it'd, be, it'd be, I think it'd be, it'd be kind of funny if it was just... Yeah, no, there, there's, no. there's going to be a transgender in attendance. We can't, we can't have this wedding. But, and, and like, how, the thing is, wait, though... How, how do you even keep calling these good people? They're just good people to each other, and that's it. Well, I mean, there's a, they didn't, like, do anything hateful. They just said, we don't feel comfortable with that. That's all they did. And, like, I personally do not approve of that, but I also don't think it's unreasonable for a private individual in a private institution to not have to do something they didn't want to do and didn't feel comfortable with. It doesn't matter the sure, reason. It's not like the they were denying they... their right to get married. It was just they didn't want to perform the service. Okay, no, you made, you made, you made a switch there. You made a Sorry, switch but, but the There's fact that they don't want that, can... the fact that they are There's... uncomfortable with that is bad for them and for the people who are they who are they're, they're like disallowing to, to get married there. That's demonstrably... A harm that could be avoided. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, you can't, I mean, it's assumed that you, I mean, and yeah, yeah, again, I am not, like, I do not believe the same things as these people. It is assuming that you believe that, like, transgender people, like, that's a good thing that people are transgender. That it's not, like, you know Or that it's like, neutral, or even just that, like, even... No, you could think that it's a bad thing, and that would, and it would still necessarily be more harmful in this case. For you would have to, okay, you even, would have to assume that if. you would have to assume that them getting married would be a bad thing, and that it's somehow worse for these people to do it. Like they just even, literally, it's, it's literally just them being uncomfortable doing something. No, no, it's not. Okay, even if even if it is bad, even if hypothetically it is 
bad for, if it is a bad outcome for somebody to be transgender, in order to be uncomfortable with that, you actually have to have the belief that being transgender is a choice, which is factually wrong, and the reason they have that factually wrong belief is because of faith. No, being transgender is a choice. Having gender dysphoria is not a choice. What the... F- Wait, no, look, I've, I've always interpreted those as, like, the same two... Well, I, I think. Well, well, my point being, like, having this conversation just got are, four hours longer. I'm so sorry. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, 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 I'm just having the feeling that you are not the gender you were assigned at birth is different from going through the process of uh, transitioning to another gender. Okay. Okay. Generally, so, yeah. To be fair, uh, those, yeah, yeah, those be... are all three different things. You can't uh, like feeling as though you are gender other than the one you were assigned at birth. Uh, is not the same thing as gender dysphoria, is not the same oh, thing as medically, so tra- medically or socially transitioning. Um, and this conversation, yeah, will can go on for a really long time. I think we should maybe go back more on topic and then like mark this down for a topic well, of future Is there discussion. a topic anymore? No. No, there is not. Maybe we should. I, mean, I, hate to, I hate to end. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Okay, so let's talk about next week then. Yeah, yeah, we should do that. Um, okay. Um... So like I'm just I do confused. hope these up, I do hope these topics come up again in the future though because they're yeah. it's it's nice to talk about it is um, but, uh, okay fucking I, I swear I I I kind of want to make one last fucking oh my god I feel, so, I feel so strongly about this okay fucking you, you have a then, strong moral I know I know how it. you feel I know how you feel so even, even then the belief the belief that the choice transition is one that should not be undertaken, is also the belief that the suffering caused by dysphoria is great, is of a lesser harm than... I eh? did not say that I agree with these people. No, I know, I know you didn't I... say you agree with it. I'm saying that it's necessarily bullshit beliefs. I mean, if you believe harmful. it's bullshit, you, you believe it's harmful... They do not. No, no, I, I, I don't just believe it's harmful. I believe that there is not a single actually consistent moral system which makes this a correct thing to believe. Uh, I mean, if you believe the Bible is literally true, it's... That is deeply inconsistent. Mm. Yeah, the, <laughs> believing the Bible is true is not a consistent moral, it's not a consistent moral belief. It's not consistent to our simple human minds, but it is consistent <laughs> uh, from the perspective of um, our Lord. No, um, it's only con- it's only consistent if you have the paraconsistent big brain logic. Oh shit! Yeah, we haven't read paraconsistent oh, no. logic yet. Yeah, we need to do that before we talk about this. Okay. 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 Anyway, fucking next week. Yeah. Um, I'm so confused about Milcom's stuff because, like, yeah. I'm not sure if he said he's not here. But did like the two PM work for people? I kind of like. I mean, I don't know what. What? How do people? Feel? Well, in my time zone, two PM is noon. So. Okay. My time zone, two PM is uh, is nine PM, which is fine. In my That's time fine. zone, two PM is two PM. The only problem is the several Europeans, which makes which means that we have to keep moving it back. Mm. 
Oh, no, 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 no. For me, it's fine like this. Like, I can do, like, right now, it's like midnight. It's perfectly fine for me. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's fair. Yeah, midnight is fine. Oh, guys, did you hear what I wrote in voice text? Uh, there's absolutely no evidence that, um, I specifically said medical research instead of generally scientists. No, 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 no. no. Yeah. Let, me, let me read it. Let oh. me read it because I have the best reading voice. Got it. <laughs> that's true, actually. That's actually true. Yeah. Calculate. Now, does anybody actually <laughs> that's fucking great. that? I'm sorry to be an asshole, but does anybody actually disagree with that? Sorry, disagree with which part? I think, hey, you're, you have a good reading voice, but uh, um, if you want, you can read. Sorry, disagree read. with which I'll, I'll I, I, I missed. Oh. I'll just read it. Okay, oh, okay, it's way too crowded. This is Cryos uh, saying, okay, it's way too crowded in oh, voice chat. I'll just read it here. Even if you have the general principle that faith-based conclusions are inherently worse than evidence-based conclusions, when you measure the disparity and utility between those, you still may or may not get to a bigger amount of utility than the level of personal utility faith holds in people's lives. And if you hold it as an axiom that you can't say may or may not in this scenario, then you're not really looking at faith as a utilitarian would, in my opinion. Mm. I would say that, I mean, firstly, you're, um, yeah, firstly, uh, you're not like you're not measuring personal utility. You're measuring utility overall. So you're including their like the utility gained from from their uh, yeah you're that they gained through their faith in addition to whatever uh, gains and harms uh, happen external to to them because of it. Right? They like those are necessarily yeah, no. part of it. You're certainly correct that we definitely. I'm not saying you're wrong that faith overall is higher or lower utility. I'm just saying you can't just not pose the the question and say faith is inherently wrong. You can't do that if you're a consequentialist, I think. Well, you can look at evidence and that you can look at the oh. evidence which shows that statistically speaking it, it is. It, faith does necessarily well, lead I mean, to more incorrect I, beliefs. I, I have certain... Because incorrect believe beliefs like really lead to more suffering. Exactly. Obviously. Obviously. No, yes. no, no, it's not no, obvious. It's not obvious. It's not obvious no, at I, all. I've, I've laid out the process by which having inaccurate information creates uh, no, but, an no, inability. No, there may be a process where it could cause problems, but does it actually... process where it will cause problems. No, you, you, it doesn't, it is not necessarily going to cause problems. It is not necessarily going to cause enough problems that it outweighs, as cryo. Yeah, said, in any one specific situation, it is not necessarily going to cause more problems than it avoids. However, statistically speaking, overall, it is. It does cause more problems than it, than you, it solves. Okay, okay. Please tell I, I, me. I, I, please I, 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 enlighten I, I, me about. And it's not just about more problems than it solves. Like you cannot measure the personal utility of faith in a human being's life. Like, I mean, um, I could in theory, could in theory, you could... Well, there, there is that you, thing, you okay. could theoretically. <laughs> have you estimated it? Have you estimated Okay, guys, we're getting um, really back, we were trying to schedule the next, the next thing. Yeah, uh, oh, I can what? say, I can say mm -hmm. that I can estimate it from my personal experience since I used to be religious, um, so I can, I can estimate based on that, and, uh, and that my experience seems to, um, match what other people have, have, um, said uh, in terms of how it uh, how it affects them. Yeah, I, I also grew up religious, and uh, let let me say, I think that I th I think freedom that your experience of religion is a tremendous outlier. <laughs> well, that's obviously it's very true. Possible. Yeah. It's very possible. Um, oh, I think I think anyone will agree with that. Yeah, that that. 
Alison, Eastern European in a 90-something percent Christian country with like less than 1% of the population being atheists, I actually know way more people like freedom than unlike freedom. I'm glad that your place is better, but we live in the U.S. where we don't I mean, do anything. I live in Canada, but, it, which it, but it's how only slightly better How do you know we live here. in the U.S.? Huh? How do you know that? Actually, I don't. You guys could be living abroad. By, by the way, I could, uh, be, just, I could be Canadian, but I'm not. You could. I mean, loser. I'm Canadian. It's, it's not that just different. Just oh, here. fucking loser! Fucking Canadian cuck soy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, I feel like I have to say something uh, here. So I don't oh, think my no, opinion. Okay. Is... You don't have to. Sorry, I, I've got to say something for for the record for the voice recording uh, that that we should probably oh. read out Galgalax. Um, oh. message because that's beautiful. Uh, I don't know why more Christians are obligated to be polyamorous and bisexuals. It's Adam and Steve, not Adam or sorry, Adam. I said Steve. It's Adam <laughs> or <laughs> Eve. It's Adam or Eve, not Adam. Somebody else. <laughs> You're right? I take that back. Hey, you stuck at reading. You yeah, you know reading. what? You know what? Apparently, I do. Somebody right. else read this. <laughs> I don't know why guys, more guys, Christians guys, aren't guys. obligated to be polyamorous bisexuals. Uh, it's well, Adam and Eve, not Adam or Eve. Okay, now let like Cryo talk, please. Yeah, okay. Yes. Okay, so Sorry, you said that my experience, like you got my experience was positive. Like the thing is, I am an atheist bisexual in an Eastern European country with 99 point something percent Christians. My life was absolute garbage, so I don't think I'm biased. I'm just saying I acknowledge religion brings happiness to people who are religious in this context. Hmm. I've been like, hard. Yeah, well, I was I was speaking from my perspective in terms of how uh, in terms of how um, much utility uh, I can estimate uh, faith brings. Oh, but I, I'm saying you uh, were for the that I was that I was being biased because of the place I was in. I'm, I'm oh. just trying. To oh, yes, yeah, I, I guess that was something, right? Yeah, yeah, but here, here's the thing. I really, I, I really suspect that a ton of people who have like a very great surface feeling of religion, like. A, like what they say to other people, a huge proportion of those people are doing things such as repressing internal like, sexuality. That sounds like what? Sorry, I didn't hear you. Um, fucking, I do. It seems like if so many people in the place you are are um, religious, and that because of that large proportion of religiousness, things are shit for people of uh, non. Heterosexual orientation. I did want to be clear that. I actually think, so this might be a hot take, but I actually think that if a minority is small enough, tiny enough, it, it should actually suffer and go fuck itself if, if it's for the better the majority. The thing is, it isn't that small. The thing is, it isn't that small. It's part of that minority. Yeah. Wait, but there are actually a lot of bisexual people in places where it's accepted, which means that there are probably a lot of them in the general human population. Yeah, realistically speaking, it's not like they all leave. Most, like, I think that generally speaking, even in places where it's mostly accepted, the stats for that are still coming up lower than they actually are due to... Due to I, I'm not saying they people. leave. I'm saying they should suffer and get fucked for it. No, what I'm saying, what what I'm I'm saying, saying is, that the, is that the minority yeah. isn't very small. If it's a minority at all, still a minority. Who gives a shit? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're, yeah, so you're the guys. That, you guys are the utilitarians. Yeah, yeah no, we, 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 we are. are. Uh, but like, it's this goes back to what we were talking about. Because I'm a utilitarian. 
This, this, this goes back to what we were talking about, about preference fulfillment, right? The, the goal isn't to guys, get a situation guys, where all those people... Did we want to talk about what time to start the next meeting? The same one. I think we're it all is, okay is, with the same time next meeting. What we should talk about is what we're reading next. Is what we're reading next week? Are we finishing the con? Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, we should. Yeah. Yeah, and I think well, yeah, um, I mean, this is my own it. problem. I severely underestimated. I mean, it was fine the way it was, but it's so hard to talk about. It's like. I feel like with Kanye, you almost need someone who really knows their stuff to like give a lecture on it. Like, I, I, does that make sense? <laughs> the issue like, is that I, Kant just doesn't want to be readable. Um, yeah, it's hard. To be fair, um, it makes it slightly easier for for people to miss just, how racist he is. Yeah, I'm just trying to think <laughs> about how we want to do this. If we want to have um, potentially like. I, I don't even know. So, I mean, we can just do something like this where we just use it to start a conversation. But um, I, <laughs> I, I, I uh, oh. if, if 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 you guys have any ideas for maybe how we can run the next discussion of the, to finish up the context, well, um, I think that what we did uh, tonight context. was fine in the sense that we did go into free flow, but the free flow was like less than half of the time we spent, and we spent at least half of the time on the text itself. Wouldn't want to go I below half. I do feel though, like we didn't get very far into discussing we the text. We did not. We did not. We did not, no. Hmm. Uh, and maybe um, okay. part of that is because we hadn't finished the text and there were so many problems yeah. that the comment was like, oh, well, is that the you read the three yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think next and week like, we're going to be talking a lot more about the text than, than we did this week. Yeah. I, I, do, I do think I would like to maybe have a fail-safe of like some way that we can have a concrete way to talk about it, rather than me just waffling around, being like, okay, we'll just read through it, and, like, okay. I don't know what's so, important. So, okay, I've been thinking about this, and I, I think that going through it piece by piece is definitely actually a really bad idea. Um, yeah. Like, um, okay, it was, it was worth trying. I'm not, I'm not going to say it was worth trying. Yeah. It turned out yeah. poorly. It did. It did. I think that especially with content, it was just a really bad idea, just because going through it point by point takes so fucking long. Because his points yeah. are indecipherable and massive? Yeah, because his points are indecipherable, massive, and usually wrong at every step. Well, there's that too. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, yeah. I don't think they're wrong at every step. I think they're they are uh, wrong at most know. of the uh, steps. I, well, but I agree, his, some of the so, steps are are not wrong. His point wasn't to build an overall argument in the first two sections. I think that it'll matter more where he's wrong and right in the third section. That's fair. I kind of yeah, like certainly going looking forward through to going the, the third I think. It might have been better if we read it more closely, maybe. Cause I, I think it would have been better if we just read section three. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I do think, like, um, for me personally, like, I didn't prepare as much as I was planning to. Uh, because I think in something like this, you kind of do need a little bit, maybe this is super obnoxious, but, like, someone to lead things along and, like, I was not. That's not no, that's um, that's in, that's probably true. And no I, I wasn't. Yeah, except for Milkum doesn't get in the fucking voice chat. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, like, yeah, Milkum's actually really great for that, but he's yeah, he's not in voice chat, and that doesn't work. He clearly understood the ideas really well. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, yeah. Milkum, why did it be this way? Um, I was thinking like maybe. So there are a couple of alternatives of like maybe we can, and this is like getting into like homework territory. I'm so, so, so sorry. But, like, try to, like, each make a little, like, 
concept map of like the points he's trying to make, you know, like oh. my shitty thing that I did. But like then we can sort yeah. of like go over it and like we'll all have like a frame of reference, like of which we to might... like discuss. Yeah, we'll probably like, have a better understanding of what the fuck he's talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, I mean, it's and 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 um, it'll just be quicker to move through, so we won't just be reading piece by piece, but we'll actually have the points highlighted, you know, to go through. Um, and and I I know that's kind of annoying, and it, obviously there's no way to like make anybody do it, and like obviously it's on me especially because I obviously didn't finish reading the text before we started, so like yeah. I have to do that. Um, but also the other alternative is you know just going through like you know the Stanford encyclopedia like talking about the summary of this text or whatever. Mm. Um, I, I have looked at the Stanford encyclopedia articles for a couple of these and they seem really helpful. They are really helpful. They are really, really helpful. And that's another alternative. I mean, like it, 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 the thing is, it, you don't have to just make the concept map all by yourself, like just based on the text, like you can look stuff up and, or we can just go through the, I don't know, just like, so we all have like, we haven't just read the text, but we like have written out and like kind of understand what it is. So we have somewhere to jump off of, in the conversation yeah. and like, yeah. uh, I know, I know with one of the, with a couple of the previous texts, like just writing like notes about our, about feelings about like, about the text at certain points seemed really helpful. Yeah. Um, Honestly, and- I read, I read the Wikipedia, I've read the Wikipedia article on the categorical imperative in the past. And it's actually, um, unlike mathematics articles, Wikipedia. Has really <laughs> article. Oh my God. Math articles are awful. Yeah. Um, <sighs> fucking anyway, uh, I, I read that and, uh, I went into it thinking, okay, I'm not completely sure how all of this works, so I'm sure that reading it, I'll actually get a good understanding of, like, why this is true instead of, what, or at least why it seems true. And instead all I got was, this is logic that doesn't make sense, and here's a conclusion. <laughs> Obviously I'm presupposing a certain conclusion with how I'm talking about it, right? Con's easy to shit on, but I'm, I'm sure that you could make a pretty nuanced point about, or make a lot of nuanced points about, like, how no, this is actually, this is actually a thing Guys, that makes sense. Like, we oh, should oh. have a debate where we, like, have to debate. <laughs> debate oh, board against Con. <laughs> where we have to what? We have laughing to debate each other. I'm sorry. We could we could debate his points, like uh, with each other. We could do that. That, that could be fun. Uh, although it would be fun. Yeah. I mean, given that I the mean, point of debate I... is to have the argument, regardless of your actual position. Exactly. We would, exactly. We would have to because yeah. most of because most of his points, most of us disagree with strongly. I, I actually think that would be. I, I think that would be a really good thing to do. Yeah, actually, I really want to like, do that as, now. As we did it, as we did it, it would give we us a better understanding. We should also do it like randomly with like numbers in random.org. We shouldn't. Let yeah, yeah, no, they're randomly assigned. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Do we want uh, to do that for next time? Like something like like I don't know if we can do that without having read it yet. Like I don't know or like um yeah. what 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 if we do it without prep? Like we we've read the text and then we are no, randomly I, assigned our positions. I think I think it would be better with prep. Oh. No, because cause like if you if you do without prep, then all I'm going to do is do two preps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, well, no, no but I, I mean, what I'm what I mean is like because we're we're each arguing like specific points, right? So then you would have to it, you would have to do a lot more than two preps, right? Because it's what side you are on and of what point you're arguing. Uh, I don't know. Huh. Interesting. Anyway, no, I actually I have to go eat, so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna head out. Um, so my recording is is gonna be 
the ending here. Okay. Yeah, well, I have to go right. to sleep because it's almost 1 a.m. Uh, uh, nice uh, job, guys. See ya.